This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO, or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. This is your boy Dak from the 410 Gaming Podcast, and when I'm not doing terrible wrestling impersonations, I'm listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast on the Orbital Jigsaw Network. Oh, yeah! Ah! You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode number 79. I'm Nick Howell. And over here wondering when Ronda Rousey is going to hit Tamina in the head with a coconut, I am Sir Ian Dangerous. (laughs) How are you doing today, sir? I am doing fantastic. How about yourself? I'm doing wonderful. Did you know, as of today, it has been 20 years, exactly, since mankind got thrown off the top of Hell in a Cell. 1998, yeah. Yeah, yeah I guess so, yeah. 20 Holy smokes. years. Wait, what year time is it? My God. <laughs> I don't know, man. Robin How Williams. How old am I? Uh, too old. That's, that's, I, it, I can't believe it was that long ago. But it was, I mean, that's one of the most iconic moments in wrestling, yeah. inarguably. And not only that, it's one of the most fascinating matches. I mean, Mick Foley's made a whole like post-career career of going around and talking about that match at, at, uh, at, I don't know, stand-up events or, you know. Is this the one where he went off the top to the announce table or through? Both. That was the same match? Same. How long has it been since you've watched that Hell in a Cell match? 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> I watch it all the time. Like, uh, it's a regular one I go back to because there's just so many elements of it that are fascinating, whether it's Terry Funk coming in to run interference and getting choke slammed out of his shoes or Mick dislocating his shoulder and then climbing to the top of the cage again. Um, the fact they took his mask off, they thought the, the match was over. Um, the fact that he kept going, the tooth in the nose, the fact that he had a tooth in his nose, yep. the smile that everyone thought he was, and he turns to the camera after getting to falling through the, the center of the top of the, of the cage and he falls through onto the mat. And then a, a little bit later, he, he's in the corner and he kind of tur- turns over that famous shot where he looks into the camera and it looks like he's smiling with a tooth in his nose and blood coming out of places it shouldn't come out of. And it, it, he's not smiling. He's trying to stick his tongue through the hole in his lower lip. Uh, There's just and, and then the fact that uh, he was able to keep going and, and ultimately got tombstoned and 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 slammed on the thumbtacks in that match. Like he had the presence of mind to come back and and and, and bring out thumbtacks. It's it's an insane match to go back and just 
pick apart because there's so many little things that go on in that match that are mind-blowing. And it's not not like it's a good wrestling match. It's not. It's a car crash. I mean, there's a reason why that was the beginning of his theme song. 20-car pileup, you know? It's it's insane. So uh, definitely, if you haven't seen it, if you haven't seen it in a while, such a so worth going and watching again, if for no other reason than... I mean, it defined the era. It defined mankind's career. It defined McFoley's career in a lot of ways. And to a certain extent, The Undertaker as well. Uh, I mean, I mean kind of put, it put him to a different level of what to expect when you get in Hell in a Cell with The Undertaker. True. He did. I mean, he already had the Shawn Michaels match the year before, which was brutal as hell. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, it did definitely, you know, people, there's a lot of things you can look at with Undertaker, but that's one you can look back at. And say, it, you know, it, Damn. He, he lived off of that for Hell in a Cell for a while. Yeah. Of people being like, oh, he's going to throw me off like Mick Foley. <laughs> but <laughs> and then uh, you, then Shane showed up and started just jumping off of it. Uh, right. Well, or falling off Titan Trons, whatever. Right. Anyway, we, here we are. It's been another week of wrestling. Uh, actually, a, quite a good week, a week over in WWE. Uh, both Raw and SmackDown were very entertaining. Uh, if you are new to the show, please go check out our Facebook discussion group. We're talking about all of these things over there. It's a very entertaining time, uh, very lively discussions. We post memes. We have some fun, talk about current events and so forth. Plus, we have our listener questions over there. And so we're going to get to that segment later on in the show where we answer some questions from our listeners that we post in the Facebook discussion group. Yes. Also, come hang out with us on Twitter at BWO Podcast. And hey, if you like what we're doing here on the show, guys, head over to patreon.com forward slash BWO Throw a couple of bucks in the tip jar. Sign up to do your very own promo right here on the show with myself and Sir Ian Dangerous. And hey, if you want to uh, rock some sweet swag and let everybody know that we are your favorite show, we're going to have some new designs coming shortly. Head up over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash store to find the merch store for all of the podcasts available from Orbital Jigsaw. Mm, new new designs. Yes, Sexy. They yeah. are coming so very we, soon. We have a lot to talk about today. We've got WWE, NXT. NXT had a UK tournament and a whole program oh. that was that was lights out it was awesome oh, uh we just got, when you thought nxt couldn't get any better yeah they got better oh dude and then nxt had a great show this week too 205 live we're going to talk about lucha underground uh we have a bunch of news plus like we said listener questions but before we get to all of that we have to talk about the big news jinsuke nakamura has been bitten by a dog <laughs> what <laughs> dead serious. say it again Shinsuke uh, Nakamura was attacked and bitten by a police dog. Yes. They were in Bakersfield uh, right before SmackDown. Right. Um, and it was on Monday. They were. So, okay. Here is. All here's I the press know release. is if he punched it in the dick. <laughs> uh, that's that's that would be the funniest thing. Uh, if he somehow peen the the dog. The dog? The attack dog. Oh, God. No, no. No, no animal abuse, please. Okay, no. Okay. So what happened was on Monday, June 25th. No animals were harmed in the making of this podcast. Uh, no, but uh, so it was, a, it was a bomb-sniffing dog. Okay. And uh, the, there was, yeah, there was an explosive. Okay, I'm, I'm just going to read the. I'm apologizing in advance. I might have trouble holding it together as you read this, <laughs> but just keep going. A man got bitten, sir. Can you please keep it together? <laughs> Uh, so there, the Bakersfield Police Department released a, uh, a statement, and they said uh, a, a team, uh, uh, let's see, Bakersfield Police Department Explosive Ordnance Disposal Team were conducting a protective sweep of the Rabobank Arena in preparation for the WWE Live SummerSlam Heatwave Tour. During the sweep, the EOD team, which consisted of an explosive detection-trained canine team and bomb technicians, entered an area of the arena where an employee 
of the World Wrestling Federation, uh, excuse me, entertainment, <laughs> was present. The canine entered the room to sweep for the presence of any explosive material. As the sweep took place, the WWE employee was accidentally bit by the canine. The employee sustained an injury to his lower left leg. Medical aid was immediately summoned to the scene, and the employee was transported to a local area hospital for medical treatment. Um, in wow. Bakersfield? In Bakersfield? <laughs> no, look, so the, the only thing in ba- there, we have a few listeners here that, that are in Cal- Southern California. They're about the only thing in Bakersfield is a racetrack. And an arena apparently to hold wrestling events. Yeah. So I, why is it? Why well, is Merle a Japanese from man there. doing in in Bakersfield? He's he was there for the WWE uh, SummerSlam Heat Wave tour. Like they were they were doing doing a show. They weren't there yet. They were. That's what. Yeah. They oh, were. Okay. So I, I mean, the, I the, thought this was coming. The, next okay. Part. Look, the point of the story is Nakamura <laughs> was Nakamura was injured by he was bitten by a freaking dog. Uh, we don't know the extent of his injuries. He might have to miss performing in Tokyo uh, at the end of the month here on the 29th and 30th, which would suck because yeah, that would no be a homecoming kidding. for him. But, um, but you know, so we have no idea how, how badly he was bitten. We were making all kinds of jokes in the Facebook group about, you know, the, the big dog getting put, in da- put down and we'd be finally rid of Roman Reigns, that kind of thing. But the, at the end of the day, not a laughing matter. Uh, a man was bitten by a dog here. And uh, we we hope he gets well quickly. But that's has, just that's has, just bizarre. Has anybody made the meme yet of Roman biting uh, Shinsuke's ankles? Yes, I, they have. Okay. Oh, oh oh god, yes. Okay, yes. I was going to go all make that memes, immediately after the show. All I mean, here's the thing. At the end of the day, it sucks, but it's not that serious. And I mean, the jokes, the jokes. <laughs> oh god, the jokes. So yeah, so it would not not a very big news week. But that's why Shinsuke was not on SmackDown this week. He was supposed to have a match with Jeff Hardy. Correct. That got shuffled around. We'll talk about that in the SmackDown Live segment. But if you're wondering where Shinsuke was or where he will be in the next week or two, the man got bit by a dog, a police dog. It's not fun. Those things. How do you know? I've been bit by a dog. By a police dog. Not a German Shepherd police dog. Okay. It was a little Chihuahua. Chihuahua. Thing. It's oh, always the little up. ones that you got to watch out for. Oh god, they're the ones that'll bite you. Oh yeah. Oh no, I got nipped by a Chihuahua. You poor thing. Listen. I've been bitten by a rat too. Okay, it's not that bad. <laughs> Give me a break. All right. Well, hopefully Shinsuke will get better quickly. But in the meantime, we need to go talk about Monday Night Raw. Continuing on in the days of our lives, I mean, of Roman Reigns, saga, soap opera, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Bobby Lashley very aptly pointed out at the top of the show in this segment that it's been three years now we've been dealing with this Roman and Brock thing in certain Some ways. ways. It's been in and out. It was like the one-off thing at WrestleMania 31, and then it was, it was nascent yeah. for a while, and then it kind of happened again within the last year. It's been red hot for the last year at least. So... We had another segment like just like we did last week where Kurt was going to come out and announce Brock Lesnar's uh, upcoming contenders for the championship. He directly addressed Paul Heyman's Facebook diatribe that he went on, uh, tirade that he went on, uh, as only Paul Heyman can do in Paul Heyman ways. And this almost immediately led to Roman Reigns coming out again, just like he did last week, interrupting Kurt. Saying he just wanted to be there face to face. This was basically a segment about Kurt getting interrupted. Whether it was Baron Corbin wanting a better uh, announcement from JoJo than Kurt, whether it was Roman interrupting Kurt, Lashley interrupting Kurt, and then ultimately the revival interrupting Kurt. But it was a whole bunch of Kurt getting like not being able to control the damn show. Right. So Lashley comes out and just they have you know Bobby Lashley is not known for his mic skills. Uh, he is a very large African American man that can hurt you, but. 
put a microphone in his hand and it's about as flat and we can bland. Just stick to he's just a large man. Yes, who wants to who could who could hurt you in many ways. Kind of like how Roman is. Yeah, they're both they're, they're both they're large, big they're large men. They're they're big dudes. Yes. Although it was weird to see Lashley getting towered over by Corbin. That was bizarre. Eh? Kind of lets true. you know how big Corbin is. But uh, that being said, no. The interesting thing about this segment here was the fact that it seemed to be like they were trying to write it kind of like a rehash of the Cena Roman feud from the fall of last year. Yep. Where we're breaking kayfabe a little bit. We're talking or we're pushing the fourth wall. We're talking about. Bobby's MMA career, how he left for 10 years and, you know, Roman's throwing jabs, Bobby's throwing jabs. The only problem is it had a fifth of the charisma that the John Cena and Roman Reigns one did, you know, and that one Cena just ran circles around Reigns, made him look like crap in terms of mic work and, and, and charisma and the rest of it and being able to remember his lines Yep. here. Roman came across as the charismatic one of the two of them. Bobby had good points and he had some good jabs. But yeah, he just he doesn't have the excitement, the passion on the mic. And Roman in this one came across, I thought, pretty good. Yeah, he did. Where's this Roman been? Because he he all of that stuff, well, again, yada yada yada. You better check my resume. I, okay, wow, that's you've got my attention. I I think part of that, like I'm saying, was context. He's yeah. in there with with with, with Bobby, Bobby Lashley. Lashley. <laughs> so yeah, at the ultimately though, this is this was not bad. I wasn't like you said, I wasn't mad at this. A Roman Lashley feud, I'm not mad at that. If, you know what I mean? That's, hey, fine. And especially if they continue to do it on this thing, on, the, on this kind of look at it where you know, they're presenting Brock as this champion who just doesn't want to defend his belt. And there's this kind of missing belt on Monday Night Raw. You know, we do have this great championship that we just, we can't, we can't see. We can't have it on the show because this guy is kind of holding it hostage. Yeah. He doesn't want to have this match extreme rules that they're originally going to have this this five six man match to to determine the number one contender for now we're not going to have that at all according to him and Paul Heyman in kayfabe right you know but so now it's they're presenting him more it, it, it's driving up this feeling I think uh, and part of it is 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 genuine where we want this damn belt back on the show and we don't care who brings it back at this point so I'm seeing a lot of different ways where they're trying to. I mean, again, I don't understand why they didn't just have Roman take it off of him at WrestleMania. Agreed. You know what I mean? I, to, to me, that's still, that was a last minute decision that is going to be questioned for years. Uh, and a lot of it will be, how much we question it will, deter, will be determined by how they go forward with it from right now, how it ultimately ends up on someone besides Brock and who that is, who that person is who finally gets it off of him. Um, but right now, it looks like we have a few contenders got Bobby Lashley might be the person to take it off of him. Roman Reigns, obviously still everyone's kind of, yeah, we assume it's going to be Roman Reigns. Seth Rollins is now kind of in the conversation too as somebody who could, he's hot, he's over, you know what I mean? He, 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 we could, he could, on the outside chance, be the person to take it off of, of Brock. But right. whoever does take it off of Brock will be taking years and years of that equity that they've built up. Uh, on this mystique around Brock, whether it's the Undertaker's streak, whether it's Brock dismantling Cena, the, the origins of, of Suplex City, the way that he beat Roman uh, at WrestleMania this year. There's all kinds of things they've built up with Brock being this unstoppable monster. So whoever actually takes it off of him is going to get all of that equity put on them. And so they have to be careful about who that is and how they get there. I think it's going to be Braun Strowman. <laughs> really? I do. And I, 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 the funny part is, is that I thought that before they put the uh, money in the bank briefcase in his hand, 
So that was the interesting juxtaposition for me coming out of Money in the Bank was, oh, well, that's why I thought he was going to be that transitional champion kind of between Brock and Roman. But that's also why we kind of thought, why would they give him the briefcase? Exactly. He doesn't need it. Uh, But again, I don't know. I think that he's still too new and they're going to put it on their new guy, whoever their guy is, you know, the number one person, their ace, the number one person in WWE. That's who they're going to put it on. And I, I don't think Braun is that guy. He's the special attraction Not guy. Not yet. You're right. But again, I didn't think they're going to give him the money in the bank briefcase. So who knows what they think of him right now? The way that they're kind of presenting him on the show, and we'll get into his segment of the show in a second, uh, is there is kind of holding pattern slash mid card almost. Yeah. He's the top top of the mid card, and he could easily be jumped back into the main event scene at any time. But it's a weird holding pattern for him right now. Well, you brought up Seth a minute ago. Let's talk about him for a few minutes because it's I, I am one of those that think he could get catapulted back up into the championship picture. Yes, before we get to Seth, because that does tie in with Roman as well. Yeah. Because they just loved having Roman all over the show. I do want to mention the fact that the Revival did get their win back from last week. The Revival, because Roman and Lashley couldn't get along in this tag match that they ended up getting put in, uh, another tag match against the Revival, they couldn't get along this week. And it broke down. The Revival had a quick roll-up pin on Roman, and boom, one, two, three, Roman gets pinned. So it looks like we're heading towards a Roman and Lashley feud, which, like we said, okay, okay. cool. I don't know how the Revival fit into this. They might just be, you know, they're just there, I think, uh, which, like we said last week, kind of sucks. But, hey, at least they're getting time on TV. They're getting I guess, paid. Which is good. They're wrestling. They're working. I, I, There's nothing to cry about, Yeah, honestly. I, it, I mean, it is the biggest win they've had They're since they've come to the man for the first the, time in maybe five years yeah. as a team. And so. they, they had a big, big win this week. Yeah. Whether that's going to mean anything remains to be seen. I think the fact that they're being put into that situation with Roman and Lashley at the top of the show yeah. speaks volumes for what they think about them backstage. Well, and, the, and they were also the ones that were chosen to job out to DX at uh, the Raw 25th anniversary. Sure. So there's something there's to be said in that there is you know it's it's like tyler breeze you can say man he hasn't really done much he was the guy they chose to fight jushin thunder liger when he had an appearance in nxt so you know you can look at it multiple different ways like yeah they're jobbing a lot but they got put in this huge match so there's that going for them yeah uh speaking of big matches the uh, the big match on the show was seth rollins who we were just talking about uh, in his rematch for the Intercontinental Championship against Dolph Ziggler. And this was a fantastic match. Yes, it was. With one, my, my candidate for match of the week, if we didn't have the NXT UK stuff going if on. If we didn't have NXT UK, if we didn't have NXT, <laughs> if we didn't have 205 Live. Right. Yeah, this was a this was a damn good match, except for the finish, which uh, Drew McIntyre uh, he got kicked out halfway through the match, but then he came back at the end to pull the referee out, cause the DQ. Seth wins, does not get his title back. Big beat down, and then who should come out to save the day? But Roman Reigns. Uh, this I I couldn't stand the finish of this. Was a fa- this was on the way to being a standout match, and at the end of the match, just I thought it just crapped the bed uh, because I you know I thought this was a cheap way out of out of this match, a cheap way to to get Roman some more of what I feel is. Seth is the most over guy on on Raw, if not the whole main roster right now, right? Him and Daniel Bryan. And I wonder if this is just, if this is kayfabe logic of, oh, Roman's going to come out and help his shield brother. Or my my gut feeling is, pragmatically, they're in the back going, Seth's really hot. How do we get some of that heat onto Roman? How do we get some of that, that love onto Roman? Well, if we have Roman come out and save Seth, that might make Roman look good. People will like him more by... by 
by proxy. Forget what it does to Seth. Let's we need to focus on what uh, right what Which it is, does for Roman. Right, exactly. So instead, I hate of, that. instead of pu- so that's what I'm saying is instead of pushing Seth and making him look better, it what they're doing is in some ways trying to say Seth's great, isn't he? Well, so's Roman, and Roman's Seth's friend. And so that's kind of what I was worried. I questioned a little bit about the ending of this match, among other things. But the upside is we may be seeing Drew McIntyre, Roman Reigns. I'm all in on that. That's what I was getting ready to jump in on you and say is that I have, if this leads to, I'll be okay with all of this stuff that's going down if this ultimately leads to a Drew McIntyre, Roman Reigns segment. Now, do you think uh, Drew McIntyre, Roman Reigns, and Bobby Lashley? Ooh, I think it's more than them, though. I think Drew does get a nod uh, at the Extreme Rules number one contender match. It's, it's going to be four or five guys. It's undetermined right now, yeah. I think, how many of them it's going to be. It's kind of chaotic right now. Yeah, and it's similar to what they did last year at this time, too, when they had, I think it was, it, was it at SummerSlam or was it at Extreme the, Rules? Uh, Extreme Rules, it was, yeah, it was the five-pack five yeah, challenge. Five the Fatal Five Way, yeah. Yeah, so it... Here we go. Here we are again a year later, and it's kind of the same thing. If that we're they doing. can pull off another match of that quality, yeah. I'm all in because yeah. last year's five uh, five way challenge was was outstanding. Yeah. So I would be down to see that again, especially because I think some of these guys would work really well in that situation. If you have these like guys like Rowan and Lashley and McIntyre, and you throw them in there with like a Braun Strowman and a Finn Balor or something like that, or Kevin, Kevin Owens, Owens, right? Although I have a feeling that that Braun and Kevin will have their own program. Um, maybe Corbin and Finn. I don't know, but that would that would be a really fun match. I think that you could pull a good match out of that, especially with Extreme Rules. What's extreme about it? Uh, they get a kendo what is stick. Extreme Rules? They get, ex- the they get a kendo stick. Can it's you tell pe- me in thirty seconds what Extreme Rules is? Um, uh, 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 sorry, I'm like the WWE superstars in that <laughs> ad. I can't think of it right now. Uh, moving on, Bailey. I think we finally saw her turn heel. Wow. Uh, we had a a three on three match: Ember Moon, Sasha Banks, and Bailey against the Riot Squad, who were being very riotous and breaking cameras backstage, much to the chagrin of Jinder Mahal, who just kept smiling for some <laughs> strange reason. Anyway, so this match went on, and uh, at the end, there was some kerfuffle. Sasha gets pinned. Bailey jumps her after this match. Jumps her, beats her down like a scalded dog, and uh, curses her out. Drops the S-bomb on live TV, Bailey. Which, which they did include in the Hulu My edition. My goodness, thankfully. Bailey. So I did get to see that. And then yeah. Afterwards, yeah, she's, afterwards, she's told by Kurt to go to counseling? Uh, whatever. I will that, not, I I'm curious. I, I'm curious about that. But anyway, go ahead. What I want to see, what I'm, what I want to see here is if Bailey can actually pull off a vitriolic heel character as well as Sasha did in NXT. Because her just kind of heel character that she did there why they went with Sasha face Bailey heel rather than the opposite is, is what I'm interested in seeing play out. Well, and I have a suspicion and that is, is that right now Bailey has nothing. They, they completely bungled her hugger character on the main roster. There's no, there's nowhere else to go with that. You can't really take it back to square one and try and do it again. It's too late. Sasha Banks has established herself as, you know, kind of the con- the cocky, confident face. So we've got that. You could turn her heel and it would be, you know, the boss again from NXT and it's fine. It, you, she's malleable in that way. But Bailey had nowhere to go. So it was one of those things where, well, to revitalize Bailey, we got like they had no other alternative really but to turn her heel because otherwise she'd be a completely bland, backgroundless, no, you know, no basis baby face facing off against a really engaging boss yeah. heel you know, with Sasha. Um, and everyone would just get behind Sasha. So it actually makes a lot of sense to turn Bailey heel here. Yeah, I just hope they steer into that and let her use that in some of the creative writing and some of her promos right. and stuff about how 
all you guys have screwed me over. You guys have messed up my my how yeah. I've come up, and I'm pissed, and I'm gonna go beat the hell out of Sasha again. Well, this I, is and and this is the thing we don't know 100 percent that she's going to be a heel heel yet. Like she still seemed to have some facey aspects to her when she was talking to Kurt backstage. Yep. Um, I'm wondering what this uh, this whole thing that she's going to be go- going and doing with the, the counseling. I'm wondering if that's going to be a, a bit. <laughs> Like if we're going to go have Bailey in counseling somewhere and that's going to be an actual segment. Oh no. Right. Which oh, well, that's, no. I'm cringing already. Yeah. That's the first thing I thought I was like, no, oh, please don't do that. Or if oh. this is going to be something where she goes and the counseling helps her unleash her anger and she comes back from it, you know, a changed darker Bailey, if you yeah. will. So I'm, I'm very curious to see where that's going. They've obviously been building this for a while, probably a little too long, um, but if they, if they light this firework the right way, it could explode nicely so far. So good. I think, um, I liked what I saw out of Bailey in terms of how aggressive she was well, with the last Sasha. Two weeks have been fantastic. And she and Sasha have always been really snug with each other whenever yeah. they face each other. So, you know, it was a really good attack on her. It looked really violent. Um, I'm very much looking forward to seeing what Bailey can pull out of this and what WWE has up their sleeves for her as a character. Yeah. Hey, I don't want to get out of here without mentioning how good the Riot Squad is starting to to come together and start to look. Uh, headed by Ruby Riot, I, I'm still high on Ruby Riot, guys. You know, she was my p- kind of long reach pick. Go back all the way back to uh, was it the Rumble or no the WrestleMania? No, I can't remember which one it was. One of the Rumbles that uh, she was she was going to win. She they were going to sneak in and push Ruby Riot out of. So I I, I it was money in, money in the bank, wasn't it? No, no, no it was oh, okay. earlier in the year. Oh, okay. Um, Ruby Riot, I think, is one of those untapped talents that has been stuck underneath one of these trios. And I think if she breaks out and gets into more single stuff, she's really going to shine. Yeah. And I'm I'm hoping that she's starting to kind of come into her look, come into her role. And I, I just want to see more of what they're doing with her. Just continue doing it because it's yeah. working. She's in cruise control for sure. And, oh, yeah. and and the Riot Squad had a really rocky start, kind of being the the, the poor man's absolution over yeah. on SmackDown. And they've got them being a little bit more like mischievous anarchists on Monday Night Raw, uh, which is a better thing for them. It's, it makes them feel more dangerous. They need to push the dangerous aspect of them. Otherwise, they come across as just goons. Brats. Brats. Yeah, yep. exactly. Good word for it. Uh, so they are kind of pushing the dangerous aspect of them a little bit. It needs to be done more, but yeah, they're they're heading more in the right direction, even if they are still kind of the enhancement of the women's division. Yeah. Um, we mentioned earlier Braun Strowman, Corbin, Finn, KO. Well, they had a whole segment as well. I don't, I don't even know what the hell is going on here anymore. This is just this is also chaos. There's a lot of chaos on Monday Night Raw for some reason. We got a match where Finn Balor and Baron Corbin teamed up against Braun Strowman and Kevin Owens. What? Which is weird. You very very rarely see a face heel tag team face off against a face heel tag team, and this was one of those ones where I actually thought they got into it fairly in a fairly fun way. With with Corbin and, and Angle hanging backstage, Finn showing up and talking smack to Corbin, and then Baron showing up and randomly being like, you know, I feel bad for Kevin Owens. He was trying to be my friend last week. Uh, I want to make it up to him somehow. And we ended up in a in a. I feel bad match. for throwing him off a ladder into bad. a table. <laughs> uh, so, okay, whatever uh, you want, Bron. But it was, and this is the thing. So then we had this match. This was a fun match. It was just. 
It was a lot. It reminded me a lot of mixed match challenge where you had yes. a lot of character work. Everyone was having fun with their characters. You know, whether it was Braun encouraging Kevin Owens to try and do the the Braun Strowman train run where he runs around and bowls people over. He's telling doing the circle, telling him to run, and he bowls over Finn Balor and he goes for Baron Corbin and Baron Corbin just lays him out with a lariat. And Baron Corbin uh, always tagging himself back in on yes. Finn and Finn just continuing to get more and more mad, frustrated. Yeah, it was it, it was, was a, brilliant. It, it was, was really a very well sports entertaining match. Yes, and. I enjoyed it, and I even enjoyed it afterwards where uh, Braun and Kevin, of course, ended up not on the same page. And as a result, as Kevin Owens was trying to leave the building later, he went and found his car had been flipped over Yes, by, by an angry monster. You're looking for your car? <laughs> it's over there. Oh, man. And Braun's so, back to flipping shit over again. Everything is right on Monday Night Raw. But here's the thing is I wonder if this is going to end up in a Braun and Kevin Owen feud and a Finn and Corbin feud, if that's going to settle into an actual feud with an actual payoff match or if it's just a way to, to kill some time for right now. If it's just killing, time, killing time, it's kind of meaningless fun. And it is fun. It's, yeah. it's, it's character work. It's getting to know the, the, you know who these guys are as characters. Good and, practice for them. And all four of them, I love what they're doing with their characters. Kevin Owens is having a good balance right now of things that have been out of balance with him before. For, whether he's the vicious, capable heel or whether he's the funny heel, uh, Finn Balor is is finding a good place where he's just you know he's kind of the charismatic, like kind of happy go lucky ass kicker. Braun Strowman is Braun Strowman; he's the monster who causes destruction. And Baron Corbin is absolutely killing it with Constable Corbin. He's just slimy. He's he. I love the fact that his ring wear is now kind of you know it's like his it's basically his suit. Yeah. Uh, it's his, it's his, it's his work clothes. He just needs a pocket watch, like a chip pocket watch chain. It'd be perfect. Um, the, what you talking about new Japan all the time, quick aside here, uh, about how they'll, that when they don't really have storyline for anybody, they'll put together these tag team matches and see what comes out of it. It's actually, no, that's what this felt like a little bit. Okay. Was that in the sense of that they were, they, when I say they're treading water, it's not really treading water. It's they want to see what can come out of the interaction yes. between all of these guys, yeah, and that, what what gets some excitement, and then maybe they'll move forward with a program for it. Yeah, it's it's not apples to apples, but yeah, that's it's not it's yeah. not a bad uh, way of looking at it. Is is and I think that's what they do a lot with WWE, where they try to make these multi man matches to get to tease out little bits of character and 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 storyline from them. But most of the time they don't, and it's just people facing off against each other and without any real progress. And they're there was some progress here. We'd learned some things about these characters, but it wasn't really meaningful in the longer terms of story, which you more often get in New Japan with those kinds of tag right. matches that they have all the time. Um, moving on, speaking of tags, Authors of Pain showed back up. Now that they're, I, I didn't see that. Author, well, that's because you watched the Hulu edition. Oh, okay. We're off yeah. the Hulu. We're, we're on the real edition of the show oh. now, Nick. Oh, okay. Uh, the real one? The real one. Hey. Oh, God, an Enzo Amore reference. Ouch. Um, no, so this was, they're back. Now they get their visa issues handled. They're back. They're killing jobbers. Uh, and it looks like they're heading into a feud with Titus Worldwide. Right. We've got, got some some stuff going on there. I think it's a good first feud for them. You know, Titus Worldwide, they can go in there and look like, like, like you know, you got Titus who's big and you have Apollo who's athletic. And so the two of them can put on good matches with AOP and still have AOP go over and look strong by beating them. So I think it's, that's not bad. That's not the worst thing, especially while the top of the tag division is being held down by the B team and the leaders of worlds who also had a little segment uh, where they kind of, they jawed each other and then Curtis Axel beat Matt Hardy one-on-one -on -one pretty handily. I'm telling you boys, watch out for, uh, for um, Curtis Axel and uh, Bo Dallas. No, no, no. They're, they're coming. They're, Their yeah. time has come. The uh -huh. B team has arrived. Uh, nothing to do with the fact that they're putting him over, making him look good now. And then the leaders will ultimately beat them at the next pay-per-view. I don't, 
Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. that's that's kind of how would, I feel. Would like. it be any more goofy or less goofy than the fact that Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt with their crazy characters have the tag team titles right now? Yeah, but they also need a signature win. I don't think they're going to have the tag titles and lose in their first defense at a pay-per-view. Fair. So, But is their signature win going to come against the B team? Uh, The way the B team is over right now? Yeah. Forever with me. That's what I'm saying. Anyway. Uh, you want to talk about this part? Because this one you saw, which was Alexa Bliss and Natalia had a match. This was, uh, yeah, it, it was kind of, <laughs> it was coming. It, you, know, you, you knew it was coming. Look, Alexa is fantastic on the mic. We joke around, you know, sometimes meaningly, sometimes not about how few bumps she takes. But it's it's fun to get her in, in the ring, and she works well with Natalia. Natalia just constantly trying to put her in the sharpshooter. And ultimately, yeah. I, I don't know where this goes. Are we just treading water till Ronda Rousey comes back? Oh, no. I, I mean, there, there was much more going on here because you had Mickey James at ringside and Nia Jax at ringside. This is basically the this is the top of the division right here. You know, this is this is everybody at the top of the division. Alexa is champ. Um, that's, that's scary. Well, that's, I don't think that's that oh. bad, actually. I mean, the, here's the thing. Ronda is going to be the, the element of this that injects more excitement into it but in the meantime we've got to get through this period where ronda is legit out doing her other stuff and natalia and alexa and naya and mickey are all kind of circling each other Uh, obviously the big the big ones here are naya and alexa who are going to have their rematch at uh, extreme rules but in the meantime we've got to you know stir the pot a little bit and see all the different aspects of this and how they how they face off and this was definitely natalia kind of being the proxy for ronda rousey and being able to submit Alexa Bliss in this match, which right. she did. She got Alexa to tap out the sharpshooter pretty quickly. Yep. Um, and you know, Naya and this is this is the thing. You have Alexa look weak coming into Extreme Rules so that when she beats Naya, it seems surprising-ish. You know, because can she's we going finally to. be done with this. Um no, it's gonna go the, on for the a while. Bullying Alexa Naya thing. Can I, that just be gone? So Alexa did cut a very long promo before this match. Right. I thought it was really good. She got that crowd whipped up. They they started off kind of Meh. And they ended up like seriously booing her. And it's not like it, it was kind of a smart crowd. It was San Diego. She got them lit. They were seriously pissed at her by the end of that promo. So, you know, props to her for that. There's a yep. reason she has a title. And one of the reasons is her mic skills. It isn't her bumping. It isn't her ring skills, which she's fine in the ring. And we do give her crap for not really taking bumps and not like like trying to not get hurt, not not, you know, feel pain. But she does her job. But her mic skills are really where it's at. Yeah. Um, one more quick note on the women's division before we move on. We saw a cameo from Alicia Fox in the back. What? Yeah. Her and Bailey had a little a little talk in the back. I didn't see that. Yeah. It was very it was very quick, like a blink and you'll miss it kind of thing. But yeah. you know, there's been a speculation that Foxy was going to get released because she had backstage heat. Um, she'd been injured for a while, so I don't. Maybe Alicia Fox will be coming back. I do like Alicia Fox. I hope they do something with her. Yeah. So we'll see. Besides, still, still arguably might have the best Northern Light suplex in the women's division. So. Absolutely, and and one of the best screams. Yeah, they use her scream, her uh, Lars Sullivan's entrance. That scream at the beginning. That's Alicia Fox. No shit. No kidding. Huh. Yep. So huh. there you go. Last uh, but certainly not least. Yeah. Last uh, but not least, Mojo Rawley yeah. uh, came in on No Way Jose. Yeah. That, well, he was. They were supposed to have a match, uh, and No Way Jose came out with this conga line. Mojo complained about it. And ultimately, just clocked No Way Jose in the face, and, and and Mojo had a pretty good speech here. He had a pretty good promo 
um, basically saying how you know this was not worth his time, kind of a TJP kind of thing. Gotcha. But uh, you know, I, I wasn't mad at it. They could do something with this if Noe Jose wasn't being presented as as such a nothing. You know, nothing character. It's what we were always afraid was going to happen in No Way Jose. When he first came out in NXT, it was like, oh, God, he's got a dancing gimmick. Oh, they're just going to make him a dancer on the main roster. Yep, that's exactly what they did. Oh, well. He doesn't have any of the interesting things he had back in NXT. No. Well, guys, that's it for Monday Night Raw, but we're not done. We're just getting started. So let's head over and talk about what went down the next night on SmackDown Live. Well, this this certainly shocked me. <laughs> uh, the so the this SmackDown Live had a nice bit where they started off with Daniel Bryan and the Miz and the Bludgeon Brothers all having a segment on Miz TV. Yes, and once again, Miz showed why he is the top in the WWE at that doing these kinds of segments. Calls out the Bludgeon Brothers, establishes it last week when the Bludgeon Brothers beat down Daniel Bryan in the middle of the gauntlet match. It was not because Miz asked them to, but he certainly wasn't mad at it. Right. And he brought them out this week to kind of say how happy he was about it and how they should all team up against Daniel Bryan and maybe they could be his new Miz Taraj. No, no, okay. They're not going to be his new Miz Taraj, but still. Um, I like the Bludgeon Brothers just standing there, just staring at staring him. down. The I was genuinely uncomfortable. Yeah, it was great. It was and, and he made it even more so with how he reacted to them. It was genuinely scared to death of them the entire time. Right. Um, but yeah, so this was great. Then, of course, Daniel Bryan comes out to shut them all up and uh, ultimately gets challenged to a match against Luke Harper later in the show. Uh, and they had a great match at the end of the show. Yes. Luke Harper, wildly underrated wrestler, and to see him go with Daniel Bryan. All of a sudden, is, if you didn't know, yeah, he can go. He can really. He can. He's not just a bludgeony dude. He can actually wrestle. So it was really entertaining to see that. But of course, as you'd expect, things fell apart. Yep. But who should come out for the save? We were we were wondering who was going to be Daniel Bryan's partner because he's not going to go into a feud with a tag team without a tag partner. And last week we speculated who was going to step forward and be Daniel Bryan's partner. And I this didn't was, see this one coming. This was speculated online, but it seemed like a long shot because of several mitigating circumstances. But yes, the big red machine, Kane, came out for the save, and we saw the reformation of Team Hell No. My goodness. My goodness. I, I am so 50-50 on this because really? it, it's, yeah, I, well, I wasn't the biggest fan of it at first when it what? first started happening, but it grew on me over time. And that's kind of the the genesis of the whole yes movement. Like before Daniel Bryan was Daniel Bryan, yeah. it was team hell no. And he was doing the yes chants, the crazy stuff. And all we got all the memes of no, no. And yes, all that stuff before he would come out and do all of this stuff with absolutely. the crowd, right? So there's that absolutely grows on you from a just a wrestling fan in general. But to so in in that respect, yeah, I've got I've got love for it. But is this the right thing to do for Daniel Bryan on a comeback tour? I don't know. I see. Here's the thing. And he ain't gonna be here, but for a couple of months. I don't think this is about Daniel Kane, Bryan. I mean. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Just me, McCain. That's what I'm saying. It's. I don't think it's about Daniel Bryan. Like we said, Daniel Bryan's gonna be on kind of the, a little bit of the sidelines. He's gonna be circling the airport for a while, assuming he resigns That's in September because of him, him resigning. So they're yeah. gonna keep him in bit of an, a bit of an orbit until. They figured that part out. So this is actually a great thing to do with them in the meantime, where it's going to be really over with the crowd. Uh, it's going to be fun. You'll be able to do a lot of a lot of things with all of the aspects of this. We might get some more Team Hell No backstage segments, which is what got them over in the first place, was yes. their amazing backstage segments. 
in addition, I don't like I said, I don't think it's about Daniel Bryan other than keeping him doing something interesting and fun while figuring out his contract. This is about Kane as well. He is up for election as the mayor of Knoxville County, Tennessee. And that election is August 2nd, which is shortly after Extreme Rules. So why not bring him back as a face in one of his most popular recent roles as Daniel Bryan's big buddy right before this election? I mean, that already looks like the polling numbers say he's going to just destroy his opponent. Yeah, in Tennessee, hell yes. But that being said, this this can only be better for him. So I think I think it's partly political. I think it's partly just a fun thing, uh, and or it's a last ride for Kane. It may be a last ride because because well, when he gets elected, we're not going to see him for a while, at least um, two years. Uh, yeah, so this might be a little bit of a kind of a last ride for him for now. And in in addition, uh, I think that it's also because they didn't really have a whole lot else to do with Daniel Bryan once Cass got fired. So this was a uh, uh, way to just kind of. <laughs> Joe. Sorry, uh, what Samoa Joe? I had to clear my throat there. Yeah, well, I don't. They're not, they're not going to pull the trigger on that until he resigns. So, but yeah, I, I this whole thing I'm down with. The only thing I didn't like is I keep having a problem looking at the Bludgeon Brothers with their ridiculous cosplay outfits and and getting behind them as being scary guys. I can't see them as being scary, really. Not not fully. I can't invest in them because it's so cartoony. If you, I was a kid, then yeah, I'd be like they're really scary, but. As an adult, it, there's a disconnect for me because yeah, it is too We're going to talk gimmicky. about this more with the next match, but you made a comment earlier about if I was looking at something as a kid. And I think if I was looking at the Bludgeon Brothers as a kid, they're effing terrifying because they've got the gear on, they've yeah. got the big hammers, they've got the big beards. They look like mass murderers that you see in a Hills Have Eyes sequel. See, but I thought they looked scarier when they were dressed like the Wyatt family. I did too, you but know we're I mean? 40-year-old men, you know? I understand that, but I think even for kids, there's a level of fantasy and and stuff that like magic and monsters and all of that kind of stuff. Sure. But I, I, you know, here's the, that's what I'm saying is you can serve both masters. And I think the Wyatt family did Luke Harper with his, with his disgusting uh, wife beater tank top and filthy jeans was way more terrifying than him now in this nice clean cosplay outfit. You know, something you'd see at at Comic-Con. So yeah. And it doesn't, it just doesn't read to me. It's a, a small complaint. But uh, like you said, speaking of things that if I were a kid, I'd have been all in for, like totally would have bought in. Jeff Hardy obviously could not have his match against Shinsuke Nakamura because Shinsuke Nakamura got dog shossed. So instead, we had Jeff Hardy versus, of all people, Eric Young from Sanity. Hello, Sanity. Yeah, and and Jeff Hardy has his, he's all back on his cool face paint and and contact lenses, kind of Brother Nero-ish without really being Brother Nero. Yeah. Um, he's back like kind of the charismatic enigma kind of thing, uh, It's which I think is really cool. Like I said, if I was a kid, I would have totally dug majorly. Yeah. And I dig, except for the horrible camera cuts, which like you said, we understand why they do it with sanities to cause just that feeling of discomfort while you're watching their entrance. Oh, I felt discomfort. I felt yeah, the wrong kind. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> But as a kid, I would have seen them enter and been like, whoa, they're really scary. They're really, they're really out there. Eric Young, he's got that wild look in his eyes. He's kind of a crazy man. And the match they had was really good, too, and really was spoke to both of their characters. I would have dug this match as a kid. I dug this match as a grown man. Same. I, right? Same. <laughs> it was fantastic. That's what I'm saying. That's the difference between this and the Bludgeon Brothers is this. This I got behind, but I could see the kid in me going, yeah. I wanted a chance to hear. One of the things that Eric Young is so good at, Insanity in general are so good at, is their promos. And I would have loved to have gotten uh, a nice you know, cookie-cutter, 
Eric Young chaos promo, something like that, to lead to build something around why he's having a match with Jeff Hardy. Mm. They could have put that together in two minutes, had that at the beginning of the show, led into it because Shinsuke is going to be out, something like that. It would have been a little bit more shine for sanity and let people know that don't watch NXT, who they are, what they're about. You know, because people sitting in row 120, section 127 in, in San Diego or wherever, Ontario, where they were this week, aren't going to, aren't going to see all of Kevin Dunn's crazy camera moves. Right. They, they don't know. So what, why don't they throw probably, up on they the probably trunk? enjoyed their entrance a lot more than we did, actually. <laughs> right. They <laughs> but, weren't running to the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> well, as opposed to having the announcers explain why they were having this match, et cetera. Right. You know, and, and that, and you make a good point. Like that, mm, yeah, it would have been an easy thing to do. And, and probably pretty good, uh, but the, all the other thing is, is, I don't think that from what I've seen of them, what they do with Sanity on the main roster, the production doesn't really get how to shoot them. And in NXT, they were always somewhere dark and barely lit and kind of spooky. On the main roster, you know, they have the <laughs> the one I remember that sticks out in the last couple of weeks was them their shadows being cast on a wall and Eric Young having to turn sideways so you could see his mouth moving, and it was just very awkward and kind of <laughs> weird but um, i dug it though yeah it didn't not work it's just it wasn't it didn't convey it didn't didn't click the way that the nxt promos did and right. so that's that's why i'm, I'm like yeah i'm not too mad at the fact they were just like eh, it's sanity they're facing off against jeff hardy and of course everything breaks down uh the usos come out and uh we end up having the whole thing turn into a three-on-three uh sanity versus usos and jeff hardy which was also bananas and this whole segment was fantastic. I'm, I'm all in on this. I love this. Uh, and I think we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but the potential for this. So uh, when I saw the Usos come running out, I went, wait, what? What? Oh, no. Th- oh, this works. Yes. Crazy Usos uh, in their heel-turned face, but penitentiary still kind of gimmick thing uh, going against Sanity with Jeff Hardy. On yeah. so- yes. I was questioning the yes, fact that, that the Usos and Hardy went over on this one uh, by pinning Wolf. I, I was surprised by that and it makes me wonder if sanity's going to go over usos as a way to establish them yeah. uh which i kind of hope they do yep because yep. they yep. do need yep. to be established as a as a truly dangerous force if you're going to take them seriously oh I'd, I'd be in for that and i'm i'm curious how long jeff hardy will be involved in this or if this was because it was supposedly an open challenge like that's an open challenge and then oh it's eric young so if he's going to continue continue being involved or once nakamura heals up if we're going to go back into that program which i really hope we do because that would be a really good program same so, uh, speaking of good programs, Rusev is your number one contender for the WWE Championship. And as a way to whet our appetites, he had a match against Xavier Woods this week, which he won fairly handily. Uh, he looked nice and dominant, and it, Woods looked great too, but just looked like he was outmatched. Uh, got put in the accolade again by Rusev. Um, so, what? yeah, what did you take away from this? My takeaway at the end of the match, one, it was a fantastic match. I love both of these guys. Uh, I had to have this moment there where I was sitting there going, is there any way that they take the title off of AJ Styles and put it onto Rusev? And I couldn't definitively say no. Really? I thought they might do that as a transitional champion kind of thing uh, to, to kind of cleanse the palate after the whole AJ Styles and Nakamura thing. Let's go into a thing over the next few weeks, six weeks or so, until we get to SummerSlam or Extreme Rules, sorry. And maybe we, maybe we have something where it, maybe AJ wants to take a month off. I, 
That you know, does, maybe he needs a break. That's not AJ Styles at I, all. I understand that. Yeah. I understand that. But he got kids, too, and he wants probably wants some dad time or wants a vacation. But anyway, my point is, is that it's not out of the realm of possibility, especially after Jinder Mahal last year, especially with as over as Rusev Day is, bringing Lana back into the fold and as popular as she is, there are all kinds of reasons why he would make an interesting champion. I, I think there's no way. I really think I, – I see what you're saying – but I think that the the chances of that are so minuscule. Probably they are only so because minuscule. it's AJ Styles. Because it's AJ Styles, but also because it's Rusev. And the way they've been presenting Rusev, even this week, makes him seem like this is going to be another one where they have a legitimate contender to AJ Styles. It's not, it's not a personal. It's, this is a different kind of feud for AJ Styles. Right. It's not a personal feud. It's not someone who has personally insulted him. Not somebody who's earned it. Yeah, it's someone who's earned it. Let's give him some real competition. Let's present Rusev as being, you know, the the guy that there's a reason everyone's behind him is because he's legit. Like he comes across feeling like legit and we're going to build him up to feel even more legit. Um, I think the way they're presenting him is interesting where they're still having him face off against faces like like Xavier Woods um, and his promo after the match was it's it wasn't heelish. It was confident. Um, but it didn't, it wasn't really like, I wouldn't say it was a helo, you know, no, it, was, no, no. it was definitely aggressive and he was saying, I'm going to come get you. You hit a, you hate Hayden in the face last week, but, um, he wasn't being a dick about it. No. So he's kind of this weird tweener right now is how they're being presenting. I thought they're presenting him. And that's what's strange about the whole thing to me is, are we going to see him get more defined as we go into this thing with AJ? I think that's going to be the best case scenario for Rusev is having this feud define him even if he loses. He could he could come out of this looking really good if they steer this ship well, but I really don't see him. He, he came out of the feud with Cena this. a few years ago, the the tank at WrestleMania uh looking pretty good. I remember that. No, he looked te- no, he looked terrible after that. He never he wasn't he was undefeated going through the whole process of the whole build of everything. The fact that he didn't win is I agree with you, but I, I still think that I was a big Rusev fan after that whole thing. That was I mean, he actually somehow pulled out of that. That was a classic Super Cena burial where he came across he came along and rah rah USA beat the evil foreigner and 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 broke his his winning streak like that was the kind of thing that's been the kiss of death but it was for the so thing the that wrestlers. got my, my attention on rusev it's, well, it's the a, thing that made me want to be a fan of rusev sure and, and i have been ever since and a lot of people got onto the rusev train but it's mostly because of just how he works in the ring and that's more of a, a an accolade pardon the pun to him and how he works as opposed to that program in particular which i thought was was telegraphed and tragic in the fact that I mean, Rusev had one of the greatest entrances to WrestleMania of all time, yeah, inarguably, and then loses and has and looks like crap doing so. So it was there's been there's been a lot of times where they they have not pulled the trigger on Rusev and somehow he's made it out of it uh, and and still is very keeps popular. getting himself over keeps getting know? himself over. Uh, speaking of being over, Becky Lynch is on a winning streak. She officially won. Again, beat Sonya Deville in a nice, hard-hitting match. Uh, Sonya still, I think, you got to have her win some. She just looks too good fighting in there to not give her some wins. Yeah, um, but she needs some kind of signature MMA. Like uh, uh, Shayna Baszler has the care for you to clutch. Uh, I'm trying to think of the other MMA. Uh, Rousey doesn't really have a defining move yet. She but does the arm bar. She's got sorry, the, the judo takeovers and stuff. Sure, the, sure. 
Shayna doesn't. Uh, real, I'm Shayna. The Kimura, uh, the Sonya. Kimura lock from 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 Brock and Brock. that kind of thing. Right. Sure. I think uh, Sonya Deville needs something like that. I don't know what her moves. Even the Oscar lock, you know, or sure. Dan- Daniel Bryan's uh, yes uh, heel lock. hook. Yeah, you know, the, the, the yes lock. Uh, our knee bar. Yeah. Sure. There's all kinds of things she, she could needs do. One of those. Well, and it's it's more that I don't think that she's been presented in a way to really define her that well yet. She's just you know generic MMA chick one. At this point, and that's kind of what I was saying, where it was, I was smart to take her away from Rousey on Raw and get her away from Shayna Baszler in NXT and call her up while Shayna was there because put you put, you put her next to them and she looks like crap. Yeah. Um, but that just because of the way they presented her, if you give her a little bit more opportunity to define herself, she could stand more on their level, if not, you know, right on their level because they are obviously much more tenured pros than she is. I'm wondering if she's just uh, being presented or if their viewpoint on her is just an enforcer for uh, for Mandy Rose at this point. Like Mandy it's, Rose is having a whole lot of big matches either. Oh, she had a couple of weeks there where she had wins. Uh, was it over Becky? She did. But I mean, of course, we're talking about Becky beating them here. Well, yeah, and really, Becky's the point here is where are we going with Becky? Are yeah. we are we going to see Becky after Oscar for some somehow is done with Carmella? Uh, is Becky going to be the next challenger? Are we are we headed somewhere with Becky? Becky this week said she wanted to see women's tag teams in WWE and got some pretty good positive response from it. Whether or not that will happen is anyone's guess. But uh, are they are they building a story with Becky Lynch? And I think they are, but I'm curious where they're going with it. She's showing some great backstage aggression when, it, when people are challenging her. She's got this chip on her shoulder, and it's it's all working really well, but it's obviously still just beginning to simmer. So I'm very curious to see where they go with that. Obviously, big fan of Becky, uh, as are many people, and think that she should get a lot more love and attention than they tend to give her. I said some harsh things either last week or the week before last uh, about, it's like, I don't know what they're doing with her, and I, I just, I'm losing interest very quickly, and I, I find myself on my phone tuning out during the matches, unfortunately. It's kind of gotten to that point. But I, I watched this week, and I'm, I'm kind of turning that corner. I want to get back there. Right, because that's the, I natural, that, Becky. that's the natural reaction when someone loses a lot. Like, you stop caring just innately, like subconsciously. Yep. And so that's why it's always worrisome when people that you want to be winning are losing because you know other people out there, are they're cooling them off for people who aren't thinking really hard about what they're watching. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's why it was worrisome. Speaking of uh, losing a lot. Speaking uh, of worrisome. Yeah, exactly. Uh, James Ellsworth Oof. got his own music and entrance and came out this week to address his return at Money in the Bank and uh, why he did it and uh, certainly taking, uh, sorry, certainly addressing his upcoming feud with Oscar or calling her out in a certain but way. He's saying that, well, Oscar's got an ongoing feud with Carmella yes. and James is very much in Carmella's corner. And uh, it was basically just running down Oscar as a way to put over Carmella. But at a certain point, Paige comes out and says, you're kind of running your mouth a lot there, kid. Uh, how about you fight Oscar next week? Oh, come on. We got we to gotta do more than that. She, he he <laughs> implied that she wanted to go out on a date with yes, him. It was a very and funny segment. Beautifully done by Paige. You know what, James? You're absolutely right. I do want to have a date. I do have a date for you next week against Oscar. Yeah. Uh, so so well done. It I was it, it was fun and James's reactions were great too yeah. and 
basically, bottom line, James Ellsworth is going to die next week, and it's going to be amazing. Yes. I can't wait. Uh, one last little little note to make is that uh, the Glow cast, cast of Glow, Netflix's show about the women of wrestling. Coming back for a second season. Yep. Uh, they had a cameo with uh, Lana and Naomi, who were still fighting about who won their dance-off from a few weeks ago. Um, I can't tell if Lana's accent is back or if it ever left. It was definitely gone one week. And uh, now it's kind of sort of back because one of the cast of Glow plays a, a Russian wrestler, yeah, a uh, fake Russian wrestler, and so they're having a like a a a accent off, I guess, in this little cameo <laughs> segment. But I couldn't tell if Lana's was actually if she was like playing like she was putting it back on or what was. <laughs> it was very confusing to me. But uh, yeah, it was it was this was a cute little segment. Uh, I know from at least looking at social media, the cast of Glow was really psyched to be there. So that was kind of cool. It looked it looked fantastic. Yeah, it was a fun little segment. Well, guys, there we go. Uh, Raw and SmackDown is in the books for this week, uh, but we have got a lot more stuff to talk about. Oh, yes. Like the rest of the, the stuff from WWE plus Lucha Underground, listener questions, etc. over in the wide world of wrestling. So starting off this week, we're going to talk about NXT, but of course, NXT isn't just NXT anymore. Now it's becoming, according to Triple H, kind of a territory system. He's going to start having NXT coming from different parts of the world, and the first one they're really establishing is the UK. So this week, we had the NXT UK special, where we had two nights from the Royal Albert Hall. Oh, my God, what a gorgeous place that Absolutely is. Absolutely beautiful. Uh, so fantastic. They had a tournament. They, that started a while back, and this is all pre-recorded, so we've known these outcomes for a while. We didn't want to spoil them. But uh, they had a tournament to determine the number one contender for Pete Dunne's UK championship. Which was fantastic to see a lot of new talent that I had never seen before. Some names that we knew, that mm-hmm. we are aware of, that we had seen wrestle before. Some that I had never even heard of. Yeah. So this we, was that seeing that whole first day tournament, I sat there for three hours just going, wow. And some of it was incredible. Yes. Not all of it was top notch, but a lot of it was incredible. And that's not even that wasn't even the the initial one. These this was the quarters and semis that yeah. we saw. There's a whole other round that wasn't on this uh this special you can go and find and check out with everybody who's in this tournament and it was really good as well. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the finals were uh Travis Banks, who is the progress champion right now, and Zach Gibson. Shoes off if you hate Zach Gibson Zach Gibson. The two of them faced off, and Zach Gibson surprisingly pulled out the win. I had called Travis Banks to take it, but Zach Gibson pulls out the win and ended up the next night having a championship match against Pete Dunne. That who, tore the house that down. That tore the house down. That was Those was two bananas. guys in that venue with that crowd. Yeah. By the way, that might be the first, like, First time I've gone wow to a crowd reaction nonstop for three hours. Mm-hmm. They did not stop chanting, cheering, all of that you, stuff. Uh, uh, if you are from the UK and you're listening to the show, by the way, hi, thank you for listening. Yes. And also, you guys are awesome. You guys rock. Like, seriously, great, great wrestling fans out of the UK. Uh, there's a reason that there's there's so much on social media and on on YouTube and content out there that is done by Brits because not only do they have an absolutely scene over in Britain with tons of really legit promotions over in Britain, but the wrestlers are mad talented coming out of that country. And that's why it's one of the first territories that they went for. And it's why you see a lot of British pro wrestlers currently working in WWE and around the world on a extremely high level. Yeah. So not, so not only 
did the uh, the title match between Pete Dunne and Zach Gibson tear the house down, but so did many other matches on this show. We're going to run them down real quick. Pete Dunne did retain against Zach Gibson, but we'll definitely be seeing some more out of Zach Gibson in the future, no doubt. Uh, I'll let you talk about this next match, Nick, because I know that you were waiting for this for how long? I don't know. It, it feels on. like it's been two, two, three years now. So I... I I'll never forget the it's, first time I discovered it, Tony Storm. It has only been, it's been less than a year. I know. Since I the May Young Classic I, that you I, I finally knew. first laid eyes on your future no, ex-wife and her before mother that. of your 12 children. That was the first time I had seen her wrestle in a setting like that, but I, I knew of her as a female wrestler before that. Oh, okay. Um, that was when you fell in love with her, though. Yes. Okay. Yes. Madly. Madly. And over she, she, you could say she is over with me. Uh, she, more than over. If there's a word for more than over, that's <laughs> what she smitten. is. I'm Good smitten. God, it's it's, uh, it's 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 to the point where like I get texts at four in the morning where you find like she posts something on Instagram. You're like, look, look, Tony posted something. Okay, you're now now you're just you're I'll selling, find the text. You're selling me out. I'll find the you're text. Selling me out okay. to, to our audience. <laughs> Shayna Baszler uh, facing off against Tony Storm. Man, if this is some kind of preview for what we've got to look forward to in the May Young Classic coming up, the second version of it, holy smoke! You know, here's the thing. I think they put Tony Storm, because Tony is the progress women's champ. Yeah. And so I think that they put her uh, in this match against Shayna because she will not be in the May Young Classic. She is already on another level. One of the reasons she didn't sign with WWE right away after last year. She has like 27 belts. It was because she wanted to go out and make her herself a more valuable commodity. Yep. And then come back in and basically be like, I don't need that. I'm going to come right in and be the top of the game. Kind of like what Ricochet did. Came in at the top of the game, right? Bobby Roode. All those guys that came in and immediately were put into title pictures or title contentions or given massive programs. They yep. didn't have to go through a whole lot of the stuff that like a, a homegrown talent like Bianca Belair sure. has to go through, right? You immediately go to the top, which is what happened here. Immediately title shot against Shayna Baszler. Boom. And man, was it awesome. And notice that they protected her in defeat. Yep. Shayna did win, but it's because of a countout. She did not pin Tony Storm. Yep. So... There's and that the, the commentary. I even sent the the guy Nigel and uh, and Morrow a tweet from our busted wide open account and said thank you so much for putting Tony over as much as you did during that match because they did. Oh yeah, they they constantly put her over uh, just in in the best ways. Here's the thing. Uh, I think Tony's better, and of course I'm biased. You do. Of course, oh, you're I do. mad biased. But I and I just God, did you see some of the moves? Did yeah, you see the way that they worked? Holy smoke. So to me, this is the difference between a wrestler and kind of the MMA background. Absolutely. It's a lot of holds and submissions and things like that versus uh, doing some of the things that you would see the wrestlers do. Sure. There's they're signature moves and things like that. So that's what really got me excited about this was having those two kind of face off and, and two brick walls kind of hit each other like that. But man, it was a good match. The crowd absolutely loved it. The commentary loved it. I loved it. Man, I hope we get to see more Tony Storm. Yeah, in, in the and Shane is a good Shane is a great foil for her. So yeah. I'd like to see where this goes. Yep. Uh, we also had Adam Cole defending his NXT North American Championship against Wolfgang successfully. Uh, here's where it gets interesting: the tag team match, Undisputed Era against Mustache Mountain, Trent Seven and Tyler Bate, and they lost. Mustache Mountain picked up the NXT. But tag team belts. Well earned. They had now here's the thing. They did I mean they kind of had to have at least one belt change hands yeah. or it would have tipped the the hat to the fact that it was a sort of glorified house show. 
they have to put over the UK division. And we were kind of we were called out online and, and with good reason for being like, oh yeah, undisputed era. They're just going to have the tag belts all the way to SummerSlam. You know what? I'm so happy I was wrong about this. And I I got to say I was I was surprised but not shocked yeah. that they did this, that they had this go because it makes sense on so many levels to have put the tag belts on Mustache Mountain. One, Tyler Baton uh, has served his time and that man should have belts. He's yes. incredible. Trent Seven as well. Two. He's 20 years old and he has two title reigns. Uh, he's, he doesn't, no, he's like 22. He was 19 God. two years, so he's 21. Far too young. Far too young to be that good. <laughs> it's insane. Um, but he, So he, he's great. Trent's, Trent's great. Um, they had a killer, 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 killer match. Popped the audience huge when Mustache Mountain won. It's great for the UK division. It legitimizes the UK division to have some of the titles over there. It made the show more exciting. It made this audience happy. So many good reasons for this to happen. Plus, Undisputed Era still looks really good. And as we saw on the other NXT program, the regular NXT program, dear God, we've got we've got grist for the mill for a while with these tag belts. Oh like, yeah. This, this is going to be an ongoing feud. And it's going to be amazing. This is so not we'll the one that. I thought was going to change hands. I actually thought Pete Dunn was going to drop the belt here. I actually did too. I thought, I thought Pete was finally going to drop it. Like a year now. Yeah, I think. I think this, but now that they're really saying, okay, we're going to have a UK, a whole UK thing. And it's going to be an ongoing thing. Now they can build up to him losing it. Yeah. Uh, they've, they've kind of, you know, lit the spark under it again. And now they can move forward and, and, and build a, a program where he'll lose it. Uh, a couple of the quick notes about it. Noam Dar is now the number one contender. He returned and is now the number one Big contender surprise return for the Pete Dunn. I think he could, he could be the guy to take it off. Of he Pete could Dunn. be, uh, he defeated flash Morgan Webster, Mark Andrews and Travis banks to become the number one contender. I thought Travis banks was going to, but Hey, what do I know? Um, By the way, quick note, Mark Andrews Frankensteinered the hell out of Flash Morgan Webster oh in that God. match. It was I stood up out of my chair and went, by God, he's killed him. Yeah. He's dead. You don't see that that kind of snap Rana anymore like that. Well, it uh, helps when the, both the guys are 5'7". Holy, and like 160 pounds. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a little, little better than, you know, 300-pound Scott Steiner or whatever. Right. 260. Uh, one other match, Alistair Black and Ricochet defeated Velveteen Dream and EC3 when Velveteen just left, <laughs> just walked away. Of course he did. Fun it match. Great for his character. Yeah, fun match, but it really was kind of over, surprisingly overshadowed by the rest of the of the yeah. card. Uh, moving on to NXT proper. Uh, it was a very, it was a, a mixed bag this week, I would have to say. We had some stuff that was kind of just there, and then we had just an absolute knock your head off main event absolutely insane main event um to before we get to the main event we started off with alistair black coming out to talk about how he had beaten lars sullivan at nxt takeover and he gets challenged by none other than tommaso champa we kind of saw this coming we, a mile away didn't we, we did we did see this coming um, and this is all a ruse just so everybody knows to ultimately you know the 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 what's the word i'm looking for the, plan? the, the culmination <laughs> of Johnny Gargano getting the NXT championship just, at some point later uh, in the year. And it, it makes sense. They're building one of the, in my opinion, like one of the best stories in decades with the Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano thing with the DIY all the way. And this is just, it, it's like many good stories. It's somewhat predictable, but that doesn't mean it's bad. No. And the fact that, you know, they're ultimately going to have the belt itself get involved in the Gargano and Ciampa feud 
uh, I think is only appropriate at this point, yes. given the quality of matches they've put on, the level of intensity, the storytelling, everything that's going on with this. It only it is only good for this feud to culminate with gold. Yep. Um, and we even had a promo from Johnny Gargano later on in the show where he wants Ciampa right now, but William Regal has told him, you don't get Ciampa anymore. That was it. You're going to get EC3 next week. Shut up. Go away. And so it looks like we're going to get uh, Ciampa. In before Ciampa comes out and interrupts the match and they end up <laughs> throwing hands. And I it, wonder. I think it's going to be one of those things where Johnny's head just isn't in it and EC3 picks up. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Because that's what happened yep. after they broke up, you know, was Johnny's head just wasn't there. Yep. So he's. I, I like the idea of Johnny going and being a broken man and Ciampa going on to, to he's now all confident he's going to go take the championship somehow, probably through nefarious means. Uh, we also had a match between Kona Reeves and Max Umberto, basically a jobber. It's a squash match. Still not behind Kona Reeves. Still don't like his gimmick. Don't like his presentation of the but gimmick. But he's the finest. In case you didn't hear him if say I it. If I never heard that again, it would be too soon. I'm, the, the gimmick's not working for me. Um, I, I still have yet to see what they see in him yeah. other than he's Size. tall. Yeah. He's tall. He doesn't like a lot of people have done this. I'm richer and better than you gimmick better than right now. Off the top of my head, Leo Rush and EC3 are doing it yeah. and they're doing it better. And the Hawaiian drop sounds like a, a mixed drink or a shot and not a wrestling move. And now I'm thirsty. Yeah. Speaking of thirsty, uh, Lacey Evans and Candice LeRae had a match. Uh, and that was also, I, I, it was kind of a nothing match. It was a way to establish that Candice LeRae is going off on her own. She's going to let Johnny deal with his crap, and she's got to get behind her career again. Picks up a nice signature win over Lacey Evans, who has basically become the enhancement talent for people who you want to look really strong. Yeah. Because Lacey, for whatever reason, as much as she loses, never looks bad in loss. Nope. Like, she doesn't come across as being a loser. When they decide to snap their fingers and pull the trigger on Lacey Evans, it's gonna be, she's going to be a nec- the next big one. She could be the next Charlotte, guys. Well, I think she's going to be the next Ruby Riot in the sense that she'll Lacey? be on the... Yep. And no. I'll, hear me out. She's going to be on the main roster doing what she's doing in NXT, looking good at putting people over. Eh. Yep. I'm not there with you. Calling it now. Okay. Uh, also, one more quick note before we get to the main event. Heavy Machinery had a nice little segment where they were grilling brats and peppers I out even in the backyard while we were you, watching this. Why don't you to, say, well, tell them what you said to me. Right. So, Ian, I don't know how much time, if any, you've spent in the South, but when you're when <laughs> when Tucker had the charcoal grill out, notice it wasn't a propane grill. He actually, they went through the effort to make charcoal, a charcoal fire in a charcoal grill. He had the big fence and the vines and the trees, and you could see him glistening with that uh, humidity that's in Florida and the South in general. I just I paused it for a second and I, I looked over at Ian. You had a flashback, and I just went, "Man, that is just a portrait of the South <laughs> right there." Uh, I know Jared is from the South, and we've got a few other Southerners that are, uh, that are listeners. listeners. Yes, so uh, you guys get it. <laughs> I get it. I don't know if anybody yeah, else does. I'm a, but I'm a California boy. Yeah. I, I don't. Uh, I get it. I've, I've got you don't relatives. Listen. I got. I have glistened in my time. I've yeah. been down to the south. I got relatives in Florida and, and Missouri and Mississippi, uh, so I've been down there. I felt it. Uh, I I could not. I couldn't do that. I, that's just bleh. like. Well, I mean, extreme South Florida is like wading through cheese soup. It's <laughs> it is so thick down there where you just you can literally just cut through it. Ugh. Anyway, well, I, their brats made me hungry. If their sheen yeah. of sweat did not, and they called out. The uh, the mighty, they said they're sick of, of losing to him. So maybe seeing a a, a a feud with them coming up. Not mad at it. Oh, not mad at it at all. Let's talk about that main event, Mustache Mountain. 
uh, versus Dave Dixon and Carl Axelrod. Oh, wait. Looked like it was going to be uh, our boys, Mustache Mountain, having their first defense against a couple of jobbers. And then out of nowhere. Hashtag out of nowhere. Dude, you know, if if Randy Orton's out of nowhere is a, 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 a flying cutter, uh, we've determined that Roderick Strong's out of nowhere is a flying knee because he did about 20 feet horizontal and took out this jobber in the head <laughs> with a knee. I mean, I don't think I couldn't see him touch the ground. It looked like Street Fighter, the video game. <laughs> He just came flying out with it with a some kind of combo button. Undisputed press. Era comes out and disrupts the jobbers at the top of the ramp, throws them off into the darkness, dead somewhere. Yes. Come down, start threatening Mustache Mountain, when who should come out for the save but Ricochet. Oh, boy. Uh, no se- no sense in bumps. kayfabe. No sense in kayfabe, but who cares? That man hits a ring, hits the back spring, back handspring on the far ropes, into a Superman pose in the middle of the ring, and everyone in the audience popped. Nick got goosebumps the size of Mount Everest. Uh, Literally chills all the way up my spine. You're talking earlier about if you were a kid and seeing this stuff and marking out. If I was a kid and I saw some guy come out to the ring and pull off that move, he would immediately become my favorite wrestler. Uh, Absolutely insane. And not only that, this ended up being a match, three on three, and of course, a barn burner of a match. And Ricochet was the hot tag. And dear God, was he a hot tag. He was flying all over the place every time he was in in this match. It was just go watch it. It's I've a no, there's, there's no words that can describe how good that match was. Please go watch it. It was absolutely fantastic. And especially are, the performance by there Ricochet. are words that could describe how good that match is, but we'd be here for a whole nother hour and a half yes. at least uh, ends up though. However, with uh, a little bit of a kerfuffle and uh, Ricochet hitting his six thirty on Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly pulling Adam Cole to safety and ultimately, uh, Roddy Strong hits a end of heartbreak onto the ring apron on Ricochet, who takes the pin in the middle. Do you think we're going? Oh, now we we said we're probably going to see it some the more end of heartache. Uh, his, it was his, it was a modified end of heartache, like an Xplex. It was a modified throw. end. Of, that's what I'm, just, I'm telling you. Yeah. What Nigel called it, okay. or Amaro called it. Uh, it uh, it was a, a modified end of heartbreak onto the ring apron. Okay. Um, whatever. Finished him off. Bottom line is, do you know, we think we're going to see Mustache Mountain continue to feud with Undisputed Era. I suspect Undisputed getting their tag titles back. Do you think we're going to be seeing Ricochet versus Adam Cole? I think for the Ricochet North American champion. is your North next North American champion. Yes. I kind of think so, too. Uh, they need to get some gold on that boy ASAP. I think the Undisputed Era have had their run. I do think they'll continue to feud for the tag titles, but I think they I think Adam Cole has not really hasn't really defended that North American title as much as he should have. So uh, I think, yeah, Ricochet is prime. There was a run there for a while where it was going to be Killian Dane and Lars Sullivan that were going to go after the North American title. Uh, yeah, there was I can't a remember bit what of a, that was. There was a bit of confusion about it. I mean, he, that's the thing is, I feel like they almost made the title for Adam Cole. Yeah. Um, but at this point now, it's almost like, well, who has he defended it against? I'm always almost worried that Ricochet won't win it because they need Adam Cole to to win some. The worst possible thing they could do is put him in a title match like that and not let him. I would love to see the back and forth more than just building Ricochet up the way that they have and then not letting him go over. Well, it depends on how they do it. Yeah. You know, if he has to have a loss. But at this point, it almost feels kind of like what's happening in the main roster with the Universal Championship. The main the main belt is about to go into Champa Gargano land. They've got to have another belt that a lot of their like next biggest guys are going for, and so this looks like it's going to be that belt. Yep. And I'm very excited where that where that goes. 
dear God, especially if they can work like they did, like they did in this match. Uh, I'd love My to see God. a ricochet and you won't. You'll be surprised to hear this out of me. A ricochet and Roderick Strong program would would be fantastic. Oh, no, that'd be amazing. Oh my God! Some of their old PWG. Oh, yeah. oh. moving on I'm to two hundred five. My nipples right Stop now. I it. promise. Uh, so glad we're not live on the YouTube yet. <laughs> Almost. Oh my God! We are mere weeks. Yeah, and then we've been kicked off for that. Yeah. Two hundred five live. Also this week we had uh, not the most. Not the most epic show we've had recently, but certainly set up for some big stuff. Uh, we had Akira Tozawa versus Tony Nese with Akira Tozawa going over completely clean. We had the debut of Leo Rush, who, who just kicked the crap out of a jobber named Dewey James. After taking 20 minutes to get all of his bling off. Which was a, such, a, such a great gimmick. It was. Uh, but yeah, Leo. I, I almost wonder if the the one bracelet was legit. He just couldn't he get couldn't it off. Go, hey, if that if that <laughs> happy circumstances, happy happy. By the way, Mike Kyoto officiating a match on two hundred five live. Awesome. I hadn't seen that before. And, I, it's great. You know, I mean, the, the fact keep, that they're getting senior officials like him over on two hundred five makes me go, huh? Okay, maybe keep, they are pushing this. Got to keep bit. Leo in line, I guess. Keep yeah, him, keep, right. keep him off his phone from tweeting. But uh, no, really nice. Uh, he had a debut back in NXT. This is the first one on 205. Looked really good. The crowd was definitely, you could see they were kind of blown back like, oh, crap. This guy is really good because he's really good. He's really good. He's guys. really freaking good. Uh, backstage segments, we had Cedric Alexander, who I was complaining before this 205 Live, hadn't really felt like a defending champion. He did, he's been kind of a boring champion because there's all this really exciting stuff going on at 205 Live, and Cedric isn't really a part of it. He's just kind of sitting there waiting for someone to challenge him. And what do they do? They have Cedric pop up and talk to Drake Maverick and say, hey, I'm bored. I want to be a defending champion. I need to get some notches on my championship belt. Can I face somebody, please? Maybe like Hideo Itami because he won that triple threat last week. And after some discussion and a little backstage scuffle, we are going to see Itami versus Cedric Alexander at some point. Yes. I don't think they announced it officially uh, when it's no, going to it be. It's just Drake Maverick trying to separate them, yeah. saying, we'll save we'll, it till we'll, next week. We'll get it. Yeah. yeah, we'll figure it out. It's going to happen. I think that's a great. That's going to be. Uh, Great. I'm not sure if Atami's going to win that. No. Uh, uh, but I, but it's great for Cedric to work with somebody of that kind of stature. Yes. And I think that it's good to have him involved in something. He's yeah. the champ. Don't Brock him. Yeah. Keep him on the show. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, we did get announced next week. We will be st- having Mustafa Ali and Buddy Murphy in a no DQ match. <laughs> yeah. Those guys have shown they can put on fantastic matches. Cannot wait for that. But the main event was the Lucha House Party in a Tornado Rules, I believe, versus uh, Drew Gulak, uh, Gentleman Jack Gallagher, and the Brian Kendrick. Uh, elimination rules, basically. Elimination of Lucha Masks. Uh, and that, too. Apparently. Lucha Masks Two of the off. three lost their Lucha Masks and during this it match. It wasn't like Metalik was in the match long enough to lose his match. Right. Uh, his mask. He was, he was in for a second, and then was eliminated, and then it was two on three. Uh, and then, let's see, uh, Kendrick got eliminated. And then it was down to two on two, and that's when the, that's when um, uh, Lindsay Dorado's mask came off, and he spent the rest of the match trying to keep it on, ultimately getting tapped out by Drew Gulak, and then we had, uh, I mean, Kalisto had not really even been in this match at all at this right. point, and it's two on one, and Kalisto ends up uh, eliminating Gallagher, and then this surprised both of us, was that uh, it ended up with Drew Gulak tapping out Kalisto. Put him in the by dragon. Pulling his mask by off. pulling well in the dragon sleeper. Well, he initially had pulled it up over his nose or something, and then when he wrenched it back on the dragon yeah. sleeper, it pulled it all the way off his 
off his face. The camera didn't catch it, but no, and he rolled over quick and covered his face. Yeah. But it was still yeah. so. This was surprising because I thought Lucha was was actually going to go over and, and be happy, but it looked like this was all to make Gulak look even more dangerous, which I'm not mad at. You no, know, that's 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 where that's exactly should, how he needs to be, how he should be presented. Yeah. This was it was a it was an entertaining match. It was fun. Um, I'm curious where they go from here. Well, we can't get out of here this week without talking about Lucha Underground. Yeah, quick had, notes uh, about Episode Lucha. 3 last night. I have not gotten to see it yet. Full disclosure, it was just on last night. I buy it on iTunes, so it's it was wasn't available till like 4 in the morning. Right. So I have to watch it tonight. Ian, did you get to see it? I did. Uh, we did find out that uh, Cage is going to be the con- the new number 1 contender for the Ooh. Lucha Underground Championship. He nice. came out and attacked Pentagon Jr. Uh, so that's Pentagon gonna, dark Pentagon dark excuse me yes and uh, so that's going to be fun cage I don't know Pentagon just beat Matanza yeah. and handed him his first singles loss and they have depowered Matanza a lot in this season um, but I'm curious what they do with cage now that he doesn't have the gauntlet is he still the old machine or not is Pentagon I'm anxious just to see strong. if we get speaking of that I'm anxious to see if we get any more storyline around the uh, the the gaunt, I keep calling wanting to call it the infinity gauntlet <laughs> Uh, uh, if we get any more <laughs> the gauntlet of the gods the one uh, the one gauntlet and King yeah. Cuerno and Katrina and what's going on with those two was there any development around that uh, I mean don't spoil it for people that haven't seen it yet yeah uh, there was a little bit of development last week not much this week on okay. it um, they were they were talking about other things this week most okay. most importantly they were talking about the fact they had a three-way match Mil Muertes versus Phoenix and Jeremiah Crane in a casket match, it was a three a, ways to the grave. Three ways to the grave. Instead of instead of grave consequences, it was a three way casket match. Uh, Jeremiah Crane gets eliminated early. Evilise comes out with a hammer, smacks him up, and uh, he gets. Aww. But here's the thing: as a lucha underground, you get put in the casket, you're dead. Like they, that means you died. Yeah. Uh, Jeremiah. So I don't know if that means that Sammy no Callahan's <laughs> not coming back on the show. Like I don't know what his his responsibility was for this the season of Lucha Underground, Sammy Callahan, AKA Jeremiah crane right. might be done. That might've been him dying. Um, or if they find some way to bring him back under Vampiro's control. Uh, but then at the end of the match, mill killed Phoenix, put him in the casket. So mill Mortis once again shows why he is the master of the cast casket match, only having lost it once. Uh, but Phoenix, who has been killed by casket Two Phoenix, before, if I remember right, wasn't it? Yeah, but Phoenix has also died before as well. But he's he, the man he's of a thousand, a thousand lives. lives, right? Right. But it's a question: is he comes back a little different every time? So how will he come back this time? Mm. So it's yeah, the plot thickens. The plot, as it does often on Lucha Underground, <sighs> has gotten thicker. Yes. Well, Ian, let's go do some listener questions real quick. Yeah, uh, let's do some listener questions. Uh, let's kick things off. Uh, Ryan Rugani, new to the group. Uh, do you think next year will be there will be a six-man tag title with all the trios that are happening, including Undisputed Era and Mustache Mountain, New Day, Sanity, etc.? Um, I think this ties in with some of the other questions here as well that we were going to talk about, kind of a bigger overarching topic around factions, trios yeah what the point of them are is it just to get people on tv are there any like legit faction stuff happening right now are they going to get bigger than three people there's a lot of different areas we could talk about here we actually got three questions that kind of all relate you have you have ryan's question there yep. and then uh derek gator guy mccray asked would it be better if wwe didn't call up so much talent to the main roster from nxt and uh anders isaacson says should the wwe do more factions um, you know, basically what he was saying, he said, like Derek said, uh, more and more talent is brought up and more, uh, more talent seems wasted. Could it be an idea to do bigger factions like new Japan have and WWE used to do in the old days? I think all of these 
speak to each other. Yep. Could they do trios tag chant? Uh, yes, they could. But the problem is that they already have duos. And I think that that would just make too many belts and too much confusion. Um, Plus, what, they're not doing a good job with twos right now. I don't think that I don't want to know if I'd want to trust them with threes. This is the thing is that is that from what I understand backstage, WWE's not really high on the main roster. At least they're not very high on tag teams. Vince is not. No, he doesn't really he doesn't think, like tag. Wrestling. He doesn't think there's money in it is oh, what okay. it comes yeah. down to. He doesn't think that it sells. He doesn't put butts in seats according to Vince. So I think it would be then a longer shot to have him go to trios championships. And that is something that has working in a lot of other, uh, other, other, uh, productions yeah. where you have Lucha underground as trios ring of honor has trios. Japan has trios. Um, but in WWE, they seem to not really be able to work well with tag teams in the, in the modern era, unless it's NXT. So could it happen? I think it's really unlikely, but I think that it would be good. We know we said this a long time ago on the show, how, ago, we, yeah. how we wanted more factions in WWE. One of our first two or three episodes. I think I we were t- right. yeah, talking about how well factions, factions. Yeah. And, and you I gotta mean, look at like the generation X uh, evolution, all of the, some of the major factions of the last 20 years or so. Um, they, it, I think undisputed era might be the closest thing we have m- modern times wise to what would be, what could be a good faction. If you look oh, at you had Bobby Fish, Kyler Shield, and Evolution, and and of uh, Sanity, and sure. uh, but do we when we get to the bigger ones? Sanity is another great example. They just haven't really gotten there yet. Um, but I think that the dynamic is is it, you've got one part tag team, or you can operate Freebirds, uh, and you've got a couple of others, day, yeah. one or two that can go off and do individual titles. But they are all members, and they all come out together, and they all do everything together. That, to me, that's a faction. See, and I, everywhere I see one of the members of Undisputed Era, they're all there. Right. And that's why. I, that's why I call them. And out there's technically four of them, but there was only supposed to be three because Bobby Fish got injured. Yep. Um. And most of the time in WWE, their quote unquote factions are basically three people, yep. so that they can operate as a uh, Freebird style tag team. Yep. And I, I think one of the. <laughs> I'm making a joke here, but I think one of the reasons for that is just because uh, I, I think one of the Freebirds who might happen to work in creative wants to keep the word Freebird out there as much as possible. <laughs> Looking at you, Michael P.S. Hayes. Okay. Uh, but that, no, joking aside, um, I would like to, I, I don't think that a three-person team is really a faction. You I know agree. what I mean? To me, Japanese factions are factions where you've got five, ten people in your faction, it's a gang. And sometimes one or two of those people will come out to help each other. Sometimes nobody comes out to help. Sometimes it's the whole damn gang around the ring, like a lumberjack match. You know what I mean? Sometimes I got to go back to DX for in WWE for, to find my last real, like, yeah, faction like uh, evolution had four people. Uh, the Wyatt family was three people till they added Braun Strowman. And then it broke up soon afterwards. Like we don't see, four person or bigger factions in WWE and speaking to, uh, to Anders's point, it would be, it's a great idea to have people in bigger factions because it helps more people get over by association. Yes. Um, Titus worldwide looked like it was going towards that for a while, but then it just fell apart and went back to being, you know, three, four people. Um, and it's too bad because the way they were doing it was interesting where he had Akira Tozawa was a member of Titus worldwide worldwide for a while. Uh, 
Anthony Bourdain was a member of Titus Worldwide. It was cool that he was reaching out and creating a faction outside of the wrestling world and within the wrestling world of disparate people who were coming from completely different, you know, styles and places. And it made for an interesting group where they all were on the same page, but you would see different things out of this group and you could do so much with that. And as, and I think they make a good point here um, where if you bring up talent from NXT and they are immediately in a faction that immediately tells you who they are in a lot of ways. It totally does. And you can show more. And I think it would make them more of a commodity by having them automatically read to the mainstream audience as to who they are by who they're associating with. Yeah, by the way, uh, we were in talks with Titus O'Neil to become the official podcast of Titus Worldwide some time ago, but as we said, that fell apart as well. <sighs> so uh, what is Titus Worldwide now? It's Titus O'Neil, Apollo, Dana Brooke. That's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah, Anthony's Anthony's dead, and uh, Tazawa's over on 205. Okay. So, yeah, I don't know, guys. We love factions. I want big factions. Ian wants big factions. It sounds like you guys do, too. Maybe if the creative folks are listening, they can hear us. Uh, yeah. Uh, we all kind of want factions. Well, so bring them back. I, yes, uh, factions, but I don't think that the trio's tag titles is no. going to happen. I really don't. I Unfortunately, I think it, that can be fun, but I think they'll stick with the Freebird stuff they're doing right now. Yep. Uh, next up, uh, Kimberly Ann, new to the group. Uh, Triple H has made all of these comments in the past about wanting main roster talent to come down to NXT. She didn't say down. I said down. To come to NXT and work with the up-and-comers. Most recently saw an article saying they wanted John Cena at NXT. Do you think they'll ever pull the trigger on sending main roster talent to Tampa, I think she meant Orlando. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about main eventers who aren't necessarily involved in storylines going down and working up-and-comers at NXT? Um, well, I don't think it's going to be main eventers who aren't involved in stories unless it's something like John Cena who's part-timer now yeah. because main eventers are main eventers because they draw money. Yes. So you're not pulling them away from their duties. It's going to be people... Like, you know, who are much lower on the card, like Titus Worldwide, frankly, <laughs> or right, you know, right now the bar isn't doing anything. Seamus and Cesaro. Yep. Um, I think Jared pointed out that Cesaro has gone down in the past to work with the guys down there. Tyler Bate and uh, uh, Tyler Bate, Tyler Breeze and, and, and Breezango has basically been talked about as one that would do that. They'd go back down and work with NXT, um, basically be in NXT. Uh, because otherwise they're just trainers and that's actually a kind of a demotion. Yeah. Um, as far as working with them on TV, here's the thing. It's not like they need them down in NXT at this point. They've got so much talent, uh, in that, in, uh, they don't really have a whole lot of room. So I don't know. I think it would be good for some people's career in terms of, uh, the storylines that they would get, but the money is not as good. And the, uh, Overall exposure isn't as good either. I, well, I think the the question or the context of the the whole conversation that she brought up, the, the Triple H was bringing up, was uh, uh, how do we get more exposure to NXT from the kind of you know re- yeah. the casuals, the filthy casuals of the main roster audience, right? So how do we get those guys and girls watching more NXT? Sure. Maybe that's a way. So it's not really about going down and training them. It's about exposure and, uh, and bringing that uh, kind of shining the light on NXT a little bit more. I mean, here's the thing. I don't know how much more exposure that would give them, even with someone on John Cena's level showing up there. 
I, you know, who, how many do you really think would follow him to NXT if they're not already watching it? Uh, Seth Roman, you could, you could take a lot of those. But guys again, down there why would thing. they pull them from the road when they're the ones making the bread? Yeah, that's true. The most true. bread. So it's, it's, it would be kind of a catch 22. Either you pull someone who could be making you more money on the main roster and putting them trying to put that equity into NXT, which they already knew was going to operate at a net loss because it's basically creating the next round of superstars, the next influx of people who they hope will get over enough to create more money for them. This is the thing that we have to remember is that they're basically, this is kind of like, you know, officers in world war one, just telling their men to go over the wall and rush the Germans. Most of them are going to die. Uh, and the ones that get through that's, you're just hoping someone gets through. They're not really thinking about a strategy here. And that's unfortunate because they're basically sending people to the main, the main roster, like, okay, go get them. Good luck. Good luck. Hopefully you make it. If go you get don't, them, tiger. If you don't, <laughs> don't worry. We got a whole bunch more people back here. We're going to send over in a little bit. Yeah. That's basically the mentality and it's, it's unfortunate. Um, but at, at the same reason, it doesn't mean that they're going to be sitting there taking people from the front lines and sending them back and, uh, and having them, tell everyone what it's like out there in the field. Right. So, or, or try to bring more attention back there. I don't know. I, I, I could see it happening, but not a lot and not on a consistent basis. I could see some kind of like special appearances, not wrestling programs. I'll, exactly. I'll, I'll say that. Bingo. Um, Earl Antonio. Uh, do you guys think Dolph versus Seth for the intercontinental belt rematch is a contender for the match of the year in WWE so far? Mm. I mm, easy I, answer. No. Are we including NXT in um, that question? If, if he's saying not, in, he's maybe. saying in WWE. If if just on the main roster, I would still say no. Okay, I would still say it's not in contention, just strictly because of the finish. Yeah. Um, I think if you had had did a, ruin it. Yeah. It did. If you had a straight up finish right now, uh, as far as Seth Rollins goes, his two matches that I can remember that he had against Finn Balor within the last couple of months blew this one out of the water. Just off or the top of my head, one hour performance. Uh, what? Did, where was that? The gauntlet. The gauntlet. Match. The, the big ass gauntlet match yeah. on Raw. Yeah. This this one is a, it was a really good match. Let's not let's not get it twisted. This was a very good, well. It was a really good four fifths of a match. <laughs> you know, yep. basically it was fantastic, but. It had a, this this kind of goofy finish at the Schmaz finish, and um, and Seth has had better performances yep. on Monday Night Raw. Was it really good? Yes, but I think that up up until this point of this year, we can I can already think of four or five matches that easily blow this one out of the water, even not taking the finish into account. And by the end of the year, we're going to have forgotten this match ever existed. On the upside, it was a good look for Dolph Ziggler, who needed to have a really good match to remind people how good he really is. It was certainly match of the week on Monday Night Raw. I'll give you that one. It was a match of the week in that three-hour section. Yes. Okay. Uh, Aaron Collier, next up. Uh, do you guys see Adam Cole becoming NXT champion in the near future, or do you see them pushing all of Undisputed Era to the main roster without an NXT championship title run? Um, I think we kind of talked about this in the NXT section where I almost feel like they made the North American championship to be Adam Cole's championship because they had with you, they had too much other stuff going on in the main title picture in NXT. I think the vision for this because we had the we had the UK championship at this point established and we needed something to establish the the US, the North American territory as we now know that that word's getting thrown around again and as we've as we saw this week with some of the announcements from Triple H 
there could be a NXT India. There could yep. be an NXT Japan. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that would be cool. Uh, you could have an NXT. I don't know. You, you know, a South American Czechoslovakia. Right. Well, you could have it. You could have an NXT Europe. We could bring back the European belt. NXT right? Zimbabwe. So uh, all of these little territories. I th- I don't agree that it was made for Adam Cole, but I kind of agree with Aaron. I don't think we're going to see an NXT Championship on Adam Cole. No. I think the Undisputed Era is going to get called up way before that could ever happen. Yeah, there's they've, they've got too much going on with the NXT title right now. Yeah. Um, it would be too, like Adam Cole would be stuck in NXT for a long time if he was sitting there waiting around to get the actual get championship. Get past the Gargano and Ciampa This is run. why I say they... I don't think they... I think they needed to have a mid-level championship, a second level with all it's of the, the intercontinental belt, guys. Yeah, it's really what it is. With all of the talent that they're bringing in at NXT, not just homemade but indie talent, they needed to have more accolades. Yeah, and they needed to have gold on Adam Cole, and this was a way to do it without having him get the main title because they didn't have room in their program to fit him in there. So no, I don't think he will have. I think you're seeing the gold that Adam Cole is going to have in NXT. Yeah. All right, last few here. Uh, Jasper Lynch, Australia. What's up, Jasper? Other side of the world. What if Triple H took over the main rosters? Do you think Raw and SmackDown would have the same quality of NXT, or will it be worse? Um, I, I don't, don't think this is binary. I don't, I don't think this is a yes or no <laughs> thing. I think it would arguably be better long term, and I think we're going to see that transition happen within the next five to ten years. Uh, it's It's inevitable at this point. But uh, in a way, I almost don't know if if Triple H really makes this run with the NXT territories thing go, he could go off and run that as its own entity, and someone else, maybe Stephanie or Shane, could step up and run the Raw and SmackDown stuff. I don't know. Or someone like Shawn Michaels, who's now transitioning into some of that down in NXT. Absolutely. Uh, Or there's a lot of people that make NXT runs, not just Triple H. Generation X is running uh wwe now yep. Yep. I, I just want you guys to think about that really hard for a second yep you fight against the man long enough and you become the man <laughs> uh no so th- this is th- really quickly to answer to my my answer to this is i think that it will be different i do not think that it will be the same quality of nxt because that nxt is nxt yeah and the main roster of wwe the the, the way to look at it is what happened with 205 live um, and that's a really, really easy way to look at Vince's vision versus Hunter's vision, um, where you had Vince wanted 205 to be a lot of characters, a lot of gimmicks, a lot of flash, a lot of cartoonishness, um, and storylines that were very much soap opera. Mm-hmm. Um, and then post that, you had a 205 that still had storylines, and there's still lots of drama but it's not boyfriend, girlfriend, who's cheating on who. It's not uh, you know PowerPoint presentations and uh, really goofy characters. It's a lot more, you know, I would almost say realistic and competition-based, but not so much so that it's very dry like New Japan. Yeah, you've still got Lucha House Party, and you've still got yeah. fun stuff. And you Gulak, know? Gulak still touches on his PowerPoint character. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he still wears his button. Sure. There, there's elements of it. And actually, this week was a really good, I think we talked about it, the, the moment backstage where Drake Maverick and Cedric Alexander were talking about Cedric not having a contender right now, the way that it was presented, it was shot and, and presented in a way that looked like the main roster, but it sounded and felt kind of like the NXT, like what you'd expect from like a William Regal uh, situation right. you know, backstage, right. where NXT feels like the, the cameraman is, is, is more cinema verite, like it's catching something, right? 
this still this still felt presentational like the main roster but it did have a more realistic feeling to it either because of the writing or the presentation or the acting in that scene so i think we were seeing a, a sort of a a synthesis of hunter style and vince's style and the main rock kevin dunn style really the main roster style in that very segment right there and that could be an idea of what the main roster could ultimately look like under hunter's supervision yeah it's a good so good idea i don't think it will be the, the same or worse i think it'll just be different it, it's exactly uh, by the way, Drake Maverick wears toddler's clothes. I just want to throw wears, that out there. He wears Ken doll clothes. Right, exactly. Uh, Dominic Jacques, I uh, heard rumors of Kenny Omega. Oh, this is right up your alley. Heard rumors of Kenny Omega's contract expiring soon and that he would be coming over to WWE. What are the chances of that happening one day? Uh, Kenny Omega's contract expires in January, uh, right after Wrestle Kingdom, which is actually where Japan is weird. Where they have a lot of their contracts go up on the same day. So they can just get gutted if a lot of people run away from them. So it's they're they've got to be careful with that. Um, but as of right now, Kenny, Cody, Young Bucks, uh, Marty, all those guys have openly said they are not going to WWE. They are not interested. That's now obviously it's wrestling. Anything sure. could be anything could be a work and money talks. And you money, write a big enough check. Money is money. Yeah. But Kenny right now is the IWGP Heavyweight Champion. Um, I suspect he'll hold that belt for a while, at least until Wrestle Kingdom. Agreed. Um, and if at Wrestle Kingdom he drops it, as I suspect he might, or he might retain against Kota Ibushi, that's my suspicion, um, I don't think he'll be ready to leave Japan. I think there's more stories he'll want to tell in Japan after that. I think he's very happy with Japan. They're letting him do a lot of what he... They let him do the Golden Lover story. They let him do... Uh, the whole Okada saga. They're letting him do whatever he wants. If he comes to WWE, it will strictly be a cash grab. Um, but it's not like he's getting dimes over in Japan. Right. So I do I think Kenny will end up in the WWE one day? One day. Do I think it'll be soon? I know. Not really. I, I, I would be, I'd be shocked. Shocked if he came over early next year. I think it'll be at least a couple of years, if not more. Yeah. Well, last but certainly not least, Brandon Monroe. I uh, was saving this one for last because I, I think we already kind of talked about this to an extent, but we didn't get past it. So in a fantasy world, Brandon asked, Hi, guys, how would you fantasy book a Rusev WWE title reign? So, oh. Ian, let's run it back to where we were talking about what we were talking about before on SmackDown Live where I saw there's a lot of upside to maybe putting that belt on Rusev. Let's play it out as if they do. How do you book that going How forward? How do you book Rusev? How do you book Rusev as the champion? Strong. Yeah. Period. You have him be the dude that just beats people up. Uh, you have, I mean, have him be kind of like what Samoa Joe is or what, uh, um, I mean, even kind of almost like a Brock Lesnar where you have him look really, really strong would be how I would do it. Otherwise, you risk him being a joke. You risk him being a meme, which is what he almost is with the Rusev Day thing. Yep. Um, you have to establish that the guy is a killer. And it's unfortunate that he's actually on a roster with Samoa Joe because Samoa Joe does that just better than he does, period. Um, so aside from that, I wouldn't, I don't know. You can't make him look like the happy-go-lucky babyface that he actually is in real life. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, you have to have him have this kind of aggression that he has shown often throughout his career. Um, it's have, almost like it, he does that he doesn't turn that on though until he gets in the ring and starts starts fighting. Yeah. Um, but I agree with you for all the way from the ravishing Russian Lana stuff, 
from the very beginning all the way up through it. It's felt like a little bit of, other than the undefeated streak up until we were talking about it, Mania, it has felt like he was a bit of a joke. So I could, but with the last six to 12 months, I could certainly see them doing this and maybe doing it. How would I book it? I, I kind of agree with you. It just has to be strong. Yeah. He I, has I, to go out and defeat some pretty big opponents. It would afterwards. be really difficult to do it as a baby face. Yeah. If he was a heel champion, it would be a lot easier because you just book him as a guy who breaks bones. Yeah. You know, he will. Just he just wants to hurt breaks you. backs in the accolade sure. or something like that. Kind of like how they did on his first run before Cena beat him was, you know, you book him like that, like the scare, maybe not as much of like the, the foreigner heel kind of character, but no, the worst thing they could do is evil foreigner stuff again. again. Yeah. Agreed. But you have, you Especially take away gender last year, take away the evil foreigner thing and have him just be the guy who humiliates your favorite wrestlers. And you're on to something yeah. uh, to keep him strong. We did actually miss a question real quick. Here's one. It's actually going to be a quick one. Uh, Eric Elledge asked. Oh, I did skip that one. I'm uh, sorry, Eric. Should the WWE retire the universal title and bring back the world heavyweight title belt, preferably the big gold from WCW? Uh, I'll take this one real quick. Should they? Mm, I, I, I can see both sides of it. I would actually say, uh, I, I would obviously, I think the big gold belt's one of the coolest belts of all time. Yep. But. I think that one of the reasons why they're not doing that is because it still smells like WCW and they want to put that behind them and brand it all for themselves. It's why all their belts are very much similar right now and very much their big WW brand right in the center of it. Um, and yes, they all look like oversized toys, but especially the Universal Championship belt, which I still like, it's, it doesn't look good. No. It really doesn't. It, it grew on me from when I first saw it. and was kind of like, oh God, but it's still, it's not a good-looking belt. But um, but that being said... I, I don't think you need another mid-card belt. I, I think, think if anything, I think, I, I think they should get rid of it, to be honest. And I think that now that they're doing cross-branded pay-per-views, we should see some crossover. And I'd like to see that WWE Championship go back and forth uh, once or yeah. twice a year uh, between the two different brands and allow build somehow in a Survivor Series kind of way uh, inter-promotion, uh, inter-show rivalries of some sort. I, think I there don't should, know how they execute that. I think though. there should be a unified championship. If you're going to have crossover pay-per-views, yes. unify the championships. There's no, there's not really any kind of competition between the brands right anymore. There's not. You've, you've taken that away by having cross-brand pay-per-views. Yep. Unify the championships, whether it's the Universal or the WWE. Obviously, the WWE is the one with the history, so that's the one I'd prefer. Um, but, uh, but as far as the big gold belt, I think, unfortunately that's dead. Yep. That's, that's dead for good. Yep. Thanks everybody for the questions. Uh, we love that you guys send those in and we love talking about those. Hopefully you guys enjoy the responses and let us know what you think over in the discussion group. And we are running a little long today, but we've still got a little bit of news lightning round. Lightning we've got to get through here real quick. So take it away. sir. All right. Uh, coming up tomorrow, ring of honors, best in the world. Pay-per-view is happening. It's a sick card. Uh, top of it, world championship uh, match, Dalton Castle versus Cody Rhodes versus Marty Skrull. I think Marty could pull it off. Yes, sir. I don't know. Marty might take it. Uh, Briscoes against Young Bucks. Cha- uh, Punishment Martinez defending the television championship against Hangman Page. Uh, six-man tag uh, tag team action, the Kingdom versus Sonata Evil and Bushi. Los Ingobernables. Um, you've got... Uh, See so Jay Lethal versus Kushida, Bully Ray versus Flip Gordon, and Austin Aries versus Kenny King. Uh, plus a big old women's match: Sumi Sakai, Maya Iwatani, Emma, Tennille Dashwood versus uh, Jenny Rose, Kelly Klein, uh, Hazuki Kagetsu, and Kana Kimura. Um, wow. 
Yeah, it's a big match. Holy smokes. But it's it's a big card. So that's, big, that's what I meant. That's a big card. But I will talk about that next week. I'll let you know what happened there. Uh, in injury news, Oni Lorkin sustained a broken orbital bone uh, in his match against Undisputed Era. Also, I don't know if we mentioned this earlier, but Lars Sullivan also in the last uh, pay-per-view takeover, uh, he had his jaw broken by, uh, by Aleister Black halfway through the match. They talked about it on NXT this week. And they showed the x-ray. It was snapped it right on the left side of the front of his jaw. Oh. I looked at the match and I found it. It was, a, it was a, a jumping knee strike coming off the ropes. You can actually see Lars just his eyes go glassy and he stumbles a little bit and starts looking like feeling his jaw like that's not good. And he was kind of off for the rest of the match. So maybe that explains the whiffed uh, black mass kick. Um, Kevin Owens uh, is currently being uh, he's in a, a thing with Shania Twain. He went to a Shania Twain concert and tweeted to her to play one of his favorite songs. She did not, but she did tell him after the concert that uh, if he beats Braun Strowman, she will play it for him next time. So. Was it I Feel Like a Woman? Is that what uh, he wanted to hear? Was that Shania Twain? I think so. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not up on my country. Uh, anyway, continue, <laughs> sir. Yes, sir. Uh, Maurice is officially now a U.S. citizen. Yay! Yeah, she finally got her US, U.S. citizenship after giving birth to baby Miz. So congratulations to her. Um, Bianca Belair and Montez Ford are officially married now. Yeah, congratulations. One of, the, one of the cutest couples you'll ever see if you follow them on, on social media. Uh, Impact, you will now be seeing Rich Swan has landed oh. has landed at Impact. Oh, give him a chance. I, I've, I've actually read a lot of stuff about what's going on with him, and and I'm, I'm ready to give him another chance. Okay. Um, but yes, and, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he does in Impact. They are collecting some pretty good talent over at Impact. Uh, speaking of good talent, Minoru Suzuki had his 50th birthday party, and it was, uh, I, I say party, uh, this is a man who does not party. Um, so it was, it was a, a, a professional wrestling uh, event. It took place outside in the rain. He had an absolutely epic match, 30-minute time limit draw with Kazuchika Okada. Uh, <laughs> for his birthday. For his 50th, 50th birthday. And I, it was, that's what I want on my 50th birthday. Is it is a epic have a, outdoor a, rainstorm an outdoor match. raining match on the Hardy compound with the longest with, with, reigning modern with, champion in, in Japanese history or Jeff Hardy? That'd or be Jeff- fun. <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, very similar. Yeah, the the uh, artist who does who does One Piece, a very famous uh, anime and manga, drew a cartoon or like a um, a, uh, a, a, a a little cartoon image of Suzuki just for the event. There was a um, a, a giant. Uh, mural painted for him while the whole event was going on. Wow. Absolutely epic. Um, all love to Minoru Suzuki, one of my favorite professional wrestlers in the business. Happy birthday to him. Uh, his best friend, Yoshihiro Takayama, who you might remember from Pancrase and from from shoot wrestling and from... Uh, he, he got paralyzed recently. Right. Um, he is now learning to paint with his mouth while, while paralyzed. That's so awesome. It is that the guy's a fighter and, and they thought they didn't think he was going to survive. So it's, it's awesome to see him somewhat on the road to recovery. And finally in lightning round news, Howard Finkel, the Fink, a, the Fink, uh, the, the voice of WWE for years and years and years. And still the voice. Every time I hear it, uh, no one else can say undertaker like Howard Finkel. The undertaker. The undertaker. Yeah, that's, he's apparently not doing well. Uh, we oh, don't know boy. exactly what is going on, but apparently he is having health issues. He's lost a ton of weight. Um, no real word on what's going on, but uh, keep the fingers crossed for the Fink. Yeah. I'm wishing, wishing him a speedy recovery from whatever's going on. Well, guys, there you go. Lightning round of news, listener questions, and all the wrestling that you need to know for this week. 
Thank you very much for hanging in there with us. Uh, if you want to come chat about the show or get in on what's going to happen next week, head over to the Facebook and join the Busted Wide Open discussion group. As Ian said at the top of the show, we post a lot of fun memes, a lot of great questions. We have some pretty big discussions from time to time about what goes on in the world of wrestling. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at BWO Podcast. Uh, follow us there for some live interactions during the shows. Uh, and as we teased, we have been teasing for a few weeks here. We are going to be going live on YouTube. Oh, man. Imminently. You'll be able to watch Nick rub his nipples yes. every week. Yes. Anytime you talk about Lars Sullivan or Braun Strowman. Or Tony Storm. You've been tor- or Tony Storm. <laughs> or. You've been tortured with that for or, over a year now. So yeah. uh, you, you have to sit across from me and watch me do that. But now everybody gets to. Woohoo! Uh, if you want to uh, support the show, guys, as always, every dollar counts. Head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Going live is not cheap. Your help would be appreciated. Also, if you want to pick up some swag and let people know that we are your favorite wrestling podcast, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash store. Keep an eye out, and I will be sure to post in the Facebook group when we have them up. We have some new designs coming in the next week or two That's that you can buy for T-shirts hoodies, coffee mugs, you name it. Yeah, and thank you for listening to the show, but please remember, hit the subscribe button, uh, give us a review. If you're doing this on iTunes, give us a five-star review or give us feedback. Let us know what you like about the show, what you think we could improve. We want to make it a better experience for you. Whatever your podcast app, make sure you share it around and try and get some more people to listen to our show because the bigger our audience, the more fun we have, the more kind of yes. cool questions we have, and uh, the bigger we can grow because yes. we do want, we do want to be one of the premier wrestling podcasts in the world even though we think we are already in our hearts yes in our hearts but i'm nick howell you can find me on twitter at nick podcasts and i am sir ian dangerous you can find me on twitter at sir ian dangerous will somebody stop the damn match this show is part of the orbital jigsaw network for more episodes subscribe to us on itunes Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.